Welcome back to Hot Takes Only, folks. This is episode 23, I think. 22 or 23, maybe 24. I don't know. Bottom line is, welcome back. We missed a week last week because, you know, life happens and you can't always stick to schedule. Some things come up and you just got to do what you got to do. But pleased to be joined by Willie, as always, my guy. How you doing? I'm I'm doing great. I'm doing great, bro. You ready to talk about uh, two weeks worth of Premier League and two weeks worth of baseball? I am. I'm I'm ready ready to roll. Well, it's not even two weeks over the Premier League, I guess, because there was an international break the last time we did a podcast, mm. or the weekend after we did our last podcast. But we've had a game since then, and we've got a couple Champions League games with some, mm. some English sides we have to talk about briefly and look ahead to the upcoming weekend. But obviously, there is another sport taking place right now that is in the <laughs> yeah. very, very climax at the very yeah. end of the season. The World Series, Willie, the Los Angeles Dodgers, the Tampa Bay Rays, the two best teams in baseball record-wise, go Mm head-to-head in a matchup of big money, big market, and small market, money ball. Mm -hmm. Not a lot of money, a lot of success, and a lot of wins. It is a great series so far, and if the first two games are any indication, I'm excited for the next five because this series is going seven. I completely agree. I think that, you know, the the two teams are so evenly matched. And I think that it's interesting, you know, after game one, I think there's a lot of people that forgot how good Tampa Bay is and how they always bounce back after their losses. And sure enough, you know, I think that they put to bed any notion that the series was going to be short. Yeah. And people are having thoughts that the Astros are going to be like the 2004 Red Sox. No, 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 no. <laughs> There's only one 2004 Boston Red Sox. There's only one team that was able to come back yeah. on that on those New York Yankees, which we sure. haven't talked about the Yankees losing yet. We oh, haven't oh. talked about the fact that the guy who knocked the Yankees out of the postseason is the same guy who had 101 thrown over his head, I think, in July or August. Oh, Mike Brasso, maybe in September. Mike Brasso, yeah, goes deep right. off a roll this Chapman in the bottom of the eighth inning. Incredible. Of yep. what was it? Game four. Uh, five. Game five. I think think it was five. Yeah. Yeah. Either way, he knocked the Yankees out of the postseason, and he did. No, no, it was four. Yeah, I I thought it was game four. I didn't think I didn't think they got to game five. But either way, the Yankees lost. The Astros lost, which means whoever wins the World Series is okay. Whoever wins the World Series, it's good in my book. You know, I I don't really have any qualms with with either team. Either team winning the World Series. Yeah. Um. No, I'm I'm with you there. I mean, I think that, but it's pretty amazing when you when you think about the fact that Tampa Bay is the, you know, 28th biggest payroll, and the Yankees are number two, I think, mm-hmm. I and think you so. know, way out spend them, and they they've shown that with their you know elite starting pitching and incredibly elite bullpen, that that formula, they've done it consistently now can can get through, and same against the Dodgers, they can go toe to toe with the Dodgers, and it's it's really really incredible. Yeah, the the Rays are in that sweet spot, I would call it, of they're in between the part where their young prospects come up and start making a splash and the part where they yeah. can't hang on to those prospects because they don't quite have the money to be able to do so. They're in that sweet spot right now. The A's are famous for developing really good players, but then having to mm. let them go because they can't afford them and then rinsing and repeating because they have that mm. same cycle they have to follow. They have to find literal diamonds in the rough all the time because they don't have the financial flexibility to go out and get your Garrett Coles 
your big money signings. But the way they do it, the way they're consistent year after year, I mean, I get, you know, not winning the playoff, what not winning the series against the Astros for them was disappointing, but you have to give them credit for, to be able to win with that model. It says a lot about the way the organization is run, the way they scout and develop players and just the way they go about their business. Now, Mm -hmm. the thing that will put them over the top is a true bona fide superstar in the rotation. They're close to it with Jesus Mm -hmm. Lazardo and Manaya kind of as a number two. They're not quite there yet. And once Lazardo learns how to pitch and throw a little less, because what I noticed in that series is he started relying a little too heavily on the fastball and trying to cover too much of the plate with it. I agree. And he ended up getting burned by a very good, very good fastball hitting team in the Houston Astros. I agree. I agree. I think, you know, Bassett's really good, but he's not Mm -hmm. quite that level. Right. I have to give Chris Bassett props. Yeah. He's he's a solid player too. But Um, yeah, they're they're in that sweet spot. The Rays are. And I think, honestly, I mean, when you look at what, um, to your point, I think that's really what separates uh, Tampa Bay from Oakland is just, you know, Tampa Bay has four very good starters, too. You know, and that's, you're absolutely right. If, you know, and Oakland has a comparable, probably better offense. So if they, if they had better starters, then they would, they could absolutely do what Tampa Bay is doing. Yeah. No, and they're they're very close to being in that sweet spot. But I think Tampa Bay, what they've done really, really well is they've gone out and made really smart acquisitions of, you know, obviously players that aren't going to, they're not going to be the players you expect. They're going to be, they're going to fly under the radar. They're going to be literal diamonds in the rough. Yeah. Sandia Rosarena is on, he's oh, yeah. on fire. I mean, he cooled off a little yeah. bit in game one, but he's, he's still Randy Rosarena and he's still going to hit bombs in the World Series. Yeah, he um he's you know, he's an absolutely incredible hitter. He's a star. Um and I mean it's it's that's a perfect example. And I honestly think that because you're right, the the Tampa Bay roster, their pitching staff and their their you know, position players are filled with with diamonds in the rough or guys that they signed as free agents or trades that were overlooked by other teams. And I think part of it's just their their culture is so welcoming and they know that these guys have something to prove. And so, you know, they come there and they do so well. And it's endless. I mean, virtually, with the exception of maybe like a Brandon Lau who's been there, like pretty much every player on the team has been on other teams and kind of written off. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Or, yeah, so it's, it's just simply really incredible. Yeah. And to see game one pan out in the way that it did for me was a little bit like, oh, wow, this is going to be Dodgers in three. Like this, this series yeah. isn't going anywhere. And then game two, who shows up on the mound for the Rays? None other than Blake Snell, aka Snellzilla, shuts oh, yeah. down the Dodgers for four and two thirds. And by shutdown, I mean literally zero hits for four and two thirds. Yeah. And then the floodgates yeah. open a little bit for the Dodgers. They started getting some some action in the base paths, and the game got a little bit closer and closer. But ultimately, when you build a when you build a baseball team from the mound backwards you are going to have a lot of success regardless of how your hit, how your offense is because hitting in the postseason can be very streaky. You can have lineups that are yeah. so-so with good hitters, but hitters that are streaky go cold at some point. The equalizer mm-hmm. is always going to be the pitching staff and the Tampa Bay yeah, Rays have the pitching staff as a whole as not necessarily just their starters, yeah. but as a collective, they have more than capable guys who can go out there and get you outs and keep you in the game while your offense takes a little bit of time to get hot because the Rays have gotten here without Brandon Lau being 
good at all. He's been terrible in the postseason. He's yeah. been one of the worst yeah. slumps of his career, but he had two home runs oh. in game two. What that's going to do for his confidence, it, yeah. I'd be very scared if I was the Dodgers. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's huge. And I think that that's the thing which is interesting is, you know, he's an all-star, you know, MVP. He was an MVP level player this year and, and he was really struggling. And I think that throughout the way that the whole team struggled against the Yankees series, you know, you figured that this would be an easy series for the Dodgers. But if Tampa Bay can just hit like they did in the regular season, which was, I think they were 12th in runs scored, 11th or 12th, then they certainly have a chance with the way their, their pitching is. So I would be absolutely scared. But on the subject of the Game 3 starter, is the guy who beat the oh, Dodgers. Oh, yeah, it's going to be fascinating. In Game yeah. 7 in 2017 and Charlie Morton. Yeah, he is. He is. Talk about, like, is there a player that better rises to the occasion in the playoffs? He's been incredible throughout the career and in this postseason. You know, he's been their best pitcher. Mm-hmm. So Absolutely electric in the postseason. And I don't mm-hmm. know. I don't know if it's his ability to spin the ball like crazy something that the houston mm-hmm. astros have really really refined really well in in mm-hmm. the, as far as their pitcher development but for whatever reason their pitchers they just they just know how to spin the ball they know how to throw breaking balls for yeah. strikes they know how to throw them for balls and charlie morton is kind of one of the best examples of that and yeah it's game three is going to be you know it's obviously always a pivotal game in a series but i think this is going to really tell you where momentum is headed if the Dodgers come out swinging against Charlie Morton I think they've got this series pretty pretty locked down I mean it's not over over but they've got a good grip on it but if Charlie Morton goes out there oh yeah if he goes out there and shoves it's 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 gonna be it's not great for the Dodgers I look I think this series is going the distance to me it's not it doesn't matter too much either way what he does um, and to me, so two, two points. First of all, I think that you're absolutely right. The way he spins the ball and, and one thing, you know, they talked about this on the broadcast, but it's so true. One thing that the Rays do really well is they have pitchers that spin the ball and they have team, they have position players that can hit spin. Mm-hmm. You know, you talk about, whereas a lot of teams like, you know, can really hit the fastballs, you know? And so that's one thing that differentiates them. Another thing, but to your point, um, I think that, um, you know, Charlie Morton is a, um, he's a fantastic pitcher. Um, and, you know, he's been, you know, their best pitcher in the postseason. And, but I do think that the Dodgers, to be honest, are, they remind me of the Red Sox the, the last World Series win. I, I think this is one of the best lineups ever. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I say that, it's because they are, you know, Blake Snell was an exception, but for the most part, they, they score a lot of runs. But really, I mean, this was the one time this year they averaged like seven strikeouts a game, which is a really low number, and they take their walks. And I just think that the Dodgers, no matter how you cut it, I could be wrong. I don't think that they, they're going to be held to anything less than four runs. And that's why it's so interesting. You know, the Tampa Bay Rays, I forgot their their exact record, but they have an incredible record when they score five runs or more. But the point is that I just think that with the way the lineup wears you down, takes their pitches, doesn't chase, doesn't strike out, is willing to hit for contact more, 
they are kind of recession proof. Like they will score four runs over the course of a game. Now maybe Morton has a good game like Snell and he only gives up a run or two, or maybe even shuts him out. But the point is, you know, to me the series really comes down to can Tampa find enough offense? If they can, they have a good chance of winning. If not, then I think they're in trouble. Yeah. No, you're I think you're definitely right there. There's a lot to uh lot to think about when it comes to the Dodgers and the way their lineup is constructed and the way there doesn't really seem to be there there aren't really many holes in this Dodger lineup and that's that's something you you kind of have to look out for. It's yeah. like you said, they're going to see a lot of pitches. They're going to take their bases. They're going to hit for average, they're going to hit for power, they're going to beat you pretty much every which way offensively. Yeah. That said, their bullpen has been fantastic. Yeah. But it's not unbeatable. Yep. And I want to circle in on Dustin May. Not because yeah. he's a young player, not because mm. he got hit hard by the Rays in game two, but because his kind of stuff, when you are throwing that hard, mm. stuff is going to play regardless mm. of, of how mm. you locate it. Sure. But John Smoltz mentioned this in the broadcast, and you could see it against the, the Atlanta Braves in the NLCS. He got a little bit underneath that sinker, and when you get under it, it kind of spins and floats. Fl- Same thing with his changeup. Yep. And flat. they were saying Manuel Margot is a very good two-seam hitter. And what does he do against Dustin May? He he almost hits two home runs, both of them barely foul. Yeah. Oh, and then yeah. he, he, he fights one off mm-hmm. and shoots in the right field. Now, mm-hmm. Margot is you know one of the better hitters in the Astra, uh, in the Rays, I'm sorry. And he he's a very competent hitter at the plate. He knows how to punish mistakes. But yep. you have to figure with guys like Brandon Lau starting to find his stroke a little bit. Maybe yeah. Kevin Kiermaier's got a bit of a stroke back. G-Man Choi's been kind of quiet this postseason. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You just have to wonder. There there are some holes in the Dodger bullpen that I think can definitely be exploited. Now, that's not going to be the Dodger bullpen's going to come out and give up 10 runs a game, and it's not they're going to come in and shut out every single game. But the fact of the matter, like, the Dodgers are a very good team. It's going to be a very good series regardless. But I think tomorrow is a very, very pivotal game regardless of of the the end result i think it's just watching more so the performances of guys like charlie morton who starting in game three you got to figure he's probably going to pitch in game seven if there is a game seven and yeah we know how good he has pitched in the past in game sevens yeah and, Dodgers know all that. and of course of course the later we get in the season the more it's going to be an all hands on deck it doesn't matter if guys are on two days rest three days rest if you're in a game seven you got to be ready to come in and you got to be ready to ready to work so it makes for what I feel like is going to be one of the closer World Series we've had, subject mm-hmm. to how tomorrow night goes. So the Dodgers have two problems related to pitching. And I think that one of them is entirely lies, comes with the players, and one is the management's fault. So I'll, I'll tell you, and you can tell me what you think. So... Because you're absolutely right with guys like, you know, if G-Man Choi and, and Margot and, you know, if Austin Meadows could refine his form or, or someone, you know, um, you know, Rosarina. They, yeah, I mean, they, they can they can get around. If, and if they can get some hits, not just home runs from Renfro and stuff. Um, but the two the two problems they have are, number one, you know, even though actually that their ER, the bullpen ERAs throughout the postseason are very close. I think that overall, 
there have been a couple outliers in in the Rays bullpen, which whereas the Dodgers don't really have anyone, I don't think you can really count on. You know, their best bullpen pitcher has been Pedro Baez, but the best pitchers that I would think, you know, Blake Trinan and Gratterall, have been two of the statistically worst pitchers for them. And then the ones that have pitched well in the postseason, you know, I wouldn't trust Joe Kelly. His control is all over the place. You know, Victor Gonzalez has, has you know, had his moments. Um, and, uh, you know, so the bullpen is a real question mark. You just, there's no one, uh, Kenley Jantz, I don't, there's not really one, anybody I would say you can really trust out of the bullpen. Whereas, you know, the Rays, for the most part, you know what you're going to get from a few of them. And then in the se- the second part, which I think is self-inflicted, is the starting pitching. And, you know, first of all, the you know the Dodgers at the beginning of the year I'll, I'll just say this again they had it they last year they had a surplus of 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 starting pitching and they dwindled it down you know they they didn't resign Kent Maeda they didn't resign Rich Hill they didn't resign Ryu and they traded Ross Stripling um, who you might say oh, well he's not the greatest pitcher but you know he could give you three four innings maybe of, of solid pitching. And then you factor in, and they did that with the, the fact that, you know, they thought Dustin May and, and Gonsolin would be good pitchers in the postseason. But why I thought that it was not necessarily, why I, I blame the management for it more so than, any, than anything is, you know, Tony Gonsolin had a huge layoff in between starts in the postseason. Mm-hmm. So you had to figure that he wasn't going to be very sharp. Right. And then Dustin May... You know, and, and look, I, I know it's unfair. Guys have to adapt their role. But, I mean, while you can never really attribute to it, part of it, you know, they talk about the broadcast, probably from the fact he has to come out of the bullpen and he's out of rhythm and everything. And now as a result, just like the New York Yankees, the Dodgers don't have enough starters to go around. They need a fourth. Mm-hmm. You know, if you assume Urias, Kershaw, and Bueller are your three. So, you know, that the fact that they might have to get Two bullpen games could really cost them. They lost one. Maybe they're going to lose another. Yeah, no, and that's a fair point because the other bit of it, and, and I've kind of held this take about the Dodgers since since they made the postseason this year. They were a very good team throughout the regular season, excuse me. Yep. But the one issue I had was outside of Clayton Kershaw and Walker Bueller, three, four, and five for the Dodgers, or yeah. these days even three and four, yeah. Are just question marks. Is it going to be Gonsolin? Is it going to be May? Is it going to be Urias? You don't know. Yeah. Urias was terrific yeah. in the championship series against the Braves. He threw the ball really well. He commanded his pitches. He did. He made it so that awesome. Dave Roberts could save Kenley Jansen for the World Series. Yep. On the other hand, he is not invincible. No, and, he's not. You know, this doesn't apply to anyone in the Rays either. But would you bet against a guy like Pete Fairbanks or Diego Castillo consistently to not be no. sharp? Usually no, with those two and the rest of the those arms in the Rays bullpen, those guys who literally come out of nowhere, yeah. you usually know what you're going to get. With the Dodgers, right. it could be either really good or not so good. Victor Gonzalez got yeah. hit really hard against Atlanta. I mean, credit to the defense being positioned in the right places, but they got he got hit hard. Gonsolin yeah, got did. hit hard. May got hit hard. 
Dylan Floro can get hit hard, and that's that's one of his tendencies. Oh, yeah. Occasionally to get He's hit been hard. He's terrible postseason. Yeah. So, you know, there's there's still some question marks for the Dodgers. And this is not to say, you know, this is not to come from a place from sour grapes. This is not just as a Braves fan, just objectively as a baseball fan. There just doesn't seem to be there that that X factor when it comes to the starting rotation that Tampa Bay has. Because not only can they run out a former Cy Young Award winner and a guy with some of the nastiest pure stuff in baseball in Tyler Glass now. Number three is a guy who won game seven of the World Series for the Astros against the Dodgers. He's yeah. late in his career. He's a veteran. He's been around, but he can yeah. still get it done. He's not just he's not just on the roster for clubhouse purposes. He's mm-hmm. he's a stud. One through three for Tampa Bay is a stud. And when you have a bullpen, that's pretty good too. Yarbrough exactly. Pretty good. And, he's solid for. And when you have that combination of good starting pitching and bullpen and an offense that looks like it's about to get hot, it's a very scary team to play against. And there's a reason they won 40 games in the regular season. Before the se- before the season started, we thought, okay, 60 games, who's going to win 40? Only two teams won more than 40. One of them is the Dodgers, yeah. obviously, and the other was the Tampa Bay Rays in arguably the toughest division in baseball. Yeah. I mean, three playoff teams. That's a, that's a lot of playoff baseball for one division. And yeah. it's, you know, it's looking to be a really good series and I'm really excited for it. Hmm. And games one of two have lived up to the hype so far. I think game one was a little bit of a runaway, but Tampa Bay made it interesting at the end. And they, you kind of got the sense like, okay, they're, they're starting to hit a little bit. Don't, don't count this team out yet. Game two, you saw Brandon Lau finally show up at the, at the world series and in the playoffs. And Look, game three, I, I think I, it's going to be the X factor. I just want to touch on the point that you made, right? So it's so interesting because when you talk about the fact that, you know, now, to be honest, I mean, you know, uh, Glasnow has not had a good postseason and neither has Nick Anderson, even though he was obsessional in the World Series. But overall, you know, Castillo and Fairbanks, and they have others in the bullpen too who are really good. You know what you're going to get. And like you said, what really, I mean – you know you've got, for the most part, two to three good starters on Tampa Bay. And it's just, it. the thing about the Dodgers, which is so interesting to me, is I think that this roster is one of the best and most complete ever. But it just seems like top to bottom, bullpen, starters, position players, defense. And throughout the regular season, it really showed. They were tops in... Defense, pitching, hitting, like you name it. But it just feels like every season, it's just like there's always something missing. There's always just one or two pieces missing. And this year it's like, oh, well, you know, they have, they, they've fixed the hitting. And, yeah, they have Mookie Betts, who is incredible. But then it's like, like you said, you know, it's like you, you had the figure starting pitching – can always shut down good hitting. And you had to figure, I mean, even going into the postseason, you know, you never know what you're going to get from Kershaw. You never really, Urias was always very inconsistent. You never really, Dustin May and Gonsolin hadn't proved themselves. So for as complete a roster as this is, and maybe this is their best shot considering the guys that are going to be up for free agency soon, it just feels like they, they were... I don't want to say arrogant, but they they missed the boat with not with ignoring starting pitching a little bit. 
Yeah, no, I, I think you you definitely hit the nail on the head there. There's there's really, I mean, you have to nitpick a little bit with the Dodgers to see yeah. what the problem with the team is in the regular season. But when it comes down to the postseason, when it comes down to the best teams yeah. are left, this is the top of the top, then yeah. every element of your game is going to be tested. It's like a major in golf. It doesn't matter how yep. good you were in a regular event. When you are in a major, every aspect of your game is going to be tested. Plus the pressure yeah. cooker that is the postseason. So yeah. you put all that together. And in the last four years, you've had three trips to the World Series. One of yeah. which, you know, people would argue, I think I would be in that group too. They were cheated out of that World Series. And I think yeah, yeah. regardless of yeah. whether or not the Astros, you know, even if they even if they don't steal signs, they were kind of yeah. They were screwed over by the World Series because they did cheat. They did steal signs. Let's be hundred percent clear about this. Yep. And you know, they should. They had that one taken away from them. Two thousand eighteen, they just ran into the freight train known as the Boston Red Sox, who are currently now the doormat of Major League Baseball or one of the doormats of Major League Baseball. But at the time, mm. one of the most complete teams in baseball, and now one of the best players from that most complete team in baseball is making the Dodgers the most complete team in baseball. That oh, yeah. said, it's only a 60-game season, and in the postseason, everything is tested, and all of your flaws get exposed because every pitch means more, every at-bat means more, every single game has a greater significance to it, and that causes some players to tighten up, and it pushes other players to really shine. Which one comes through for the which which version of the Dodgers will we see in in the World Series may not really know yet yeah I mean it's 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 very true but that's why like I must say that when you're talking about you know your flaws being exposed and you're talking about the fact that you don't quite know necessarily what you're going to get from the Dodgers at times particularly on the pitching staff that's why and, and this is the annoying thing and look I understand that a lot of times they're not good but that's why it's like while their window while they've they've won how many divisions is in a row seven or eight, eight divisions at this point yeah seven or eight um I would say the other the other thing that we should not overlook is that they have not made many trades for relief pitching They've, they've failed to pull the trigger on just a really solid reliever. And I understand that, you know, I understand that, you know, you have to give up a lot. And a lot of times you'll look back and the players you trade, you know, will hurt you in the long run. But the Dodgers, that might be the piece they need too. It's just one really solid lockdown eighth or ninth inning guy. That could be the difference between the two teams. Yeah. Because there is going to be. There is going to be, you know, the first two games, you know, the Dodgers made it close in the end of game two. But there is going to be a game, at least a game or two, this series where it's going to be close. And it's going to be, you know, a battle of the bullpens. More so, can the Dodgers get to the Rays bullpen? But that could be a difference right there. Yeah. And, you know, like you're saying, it's going to be, it's going to come down to which team is 
able to make that difference in that part of the game more effectively than not. Yeah. And right now, it's a coin flip. But if the wow. Astros, or sorry, I want to keep saying the Astros. It, <laughs> they've they've been the talk of, of baseball, unless you've been living under a rock for the last year, so get over it. It's fine. The Rays. If the Rays can get the right matchups in that Dodger bullpen, all it takes is one mistake because the Rays have hit more home runs than any team in any postseason. Yes, there are more games this year yeah. than ever before in the postseason. But that's a mm. lot of home runs. Through three rounds and two games in the fourth round, the Rays yeah. have hit 28 home runs. Mm. That's a lot of home runs. And they score... Yeah a vast majority of their runs via the long ball, but they can do it other ways. And can they get to the Dodger bullpen? Well, they're going to have to. They will. They will have to. Yes. And you saw, you know, yesterday, you know, Margot had a key hit, uh, Wendell, you know, um, they, you know, allowed a couple, but it's not sustainable. They're going to have to get more. But I mean, to your point, given the way they can hit home runs, it might, you know, all it takes is is one mistake. And, you know, if there's one thing we do know about some of the Dodgers pitchers, they are prone. You know, Kershaw gives up his home runs. Bueller makes his mistakes. So they're definitely doable. But that is the reason why I would give the Dodgers a slight edge in the series, is you do more so know what you're going to get. Yeah, especially offensively. And that that ability for them to do it every different way makes them extremely dangerous for any team. But I think, you know, the the obviously the gut reaction after seeing a lopsided game one is that like, oh yeah, no, it's going to be three games. Let's throw in the towel. It's over. But if you take back and look at how game one ended, it ended with yep. the Rays kind of piecing it together a little bit. Yes, the scoreline was, did? the scoreline did them no favors. Eight to three is not what you want to do in game one of the World Series. But, Seventh, eighth, and ninth innings, they started to put something together that gave they them clear they clearly gave, gave them, them confidence. Yeah, it gave them it gave them momentum. You know, and that this happens. Like I think, you know, you the best you know, it happens. I mean, it happened to the Rays. I mean, when they played the Yankees, when they played you know, that's a great example. They got hammered the first game too. You know, came mm-hmm. back. I mean, it happened with the Dodgers, right? They they had that rally at the end of Game Two against Atlanta, and then all of a sudden they come on Game Three and get huge amount of runs in the first round. Mm-hmm. I think so. You're absolutely right, but I think that Game I think that yeah I think Game Three is so important. Yeah, um, it's big for momentum, that's for sure. So before we kind of take a yeah. deeper dive into some of the stuff that's happened this postseason give our just general thoughts before we move on to premier league mm. willie who's winning yeah. the world series uh, i think i think the dodgers in seven yeah no that's a smart pick and it's also my pick it's dodgers in seven is it dodgers in uh seven. they okay they're gonna hit they're gonna hit a bit they're gonna get a big hit from a one marcus lynn betts well, in Game Seven of the World Series, it's going to come down to Game Seven. All hands on deck. So? Mookie bets oh. off Charlie Morton. Wow, late that's in the game. In, that's in, that's incredible. It's oddly specific, but yeah, it's it's Mookie bets because 
first couple rounds, he didn't really hit as much, but then he started no. to heat up a little bit. And right he now, heated I think up he's, in he's playing with... He's, he's locked in. He's playing with the confidence, with the swagger of the 2018 AL MVP that we all know he is. Yep. Yeah. And a quick shout out to yep. Kurt in the chat. Kurt, I see you. What's up? What's popping? One, one. We do have a series indeed. Yeah, we he's do a, have a series. He's Mookie Betts is Mookie Betts is good at baseball. Oh, he's, he's so good. He's very oh. good at baseball. And defense. Yeah. And he's just, yeah, he's a 6 2 Hitting, player. defense, running, baseball IQ. It's all. He's yeah. just, he's the complete player. Yeah. He, no, no ifs, ands, or buts. But looking back well, a little bit. Since we've yeah. missed a couple of weeks with the with the, of the sure. postseason, and just to touch on something we we talked about a couple of weeks ago, I think one of the standout things for me this postseason, besides the Houston Astros being present, number one, <laughs> is the San Diego Padres. Yeah, I, you know, honestly, didn't expect them to get the, to the postseason to begin with when the season started, and you know, credit to Willie who had them winning the World Series as kind of the the fun out of left field sexy pick. I mean, it was a fun <laughs> pick. But it was. it was just good to see them in the postseason. Guys like Fernando Tatis Jr., the face of baseball, yep. have a bit of a coming out party. Yes, there are growing pains for sure, but mm-hmm. it's still a young team, has a lot of promise, and they will be back in the postseason. And it was just a lot of fun watching them play. Yeah, they are. Uh, they were. They are probably the the funnest team to watch, and um, you know it's exciting to see. Um, teams, you know, new teams be good. That's a really exciting team. You think about Toronto, you know, um, San, Di- San Diego, um, Miami Marlins, um, the Braves looking really strong. You know, it's it's really exciting for baseball. Don't do not do this to, to me, Willie. Don't drag me down this rabbit hole. Don't drag me uh, down this rabbit hole. Oh, well, I mean, you know, I, I eventually I'm going to ask you, talk about Atlanta but okay well for the sake let, of this yes let me get your take there. on yeah I mean yeah so okay new teams being exciting I, I sorry I, I wouldn't finish that thought if you had anything okay. left to it um no no I I agree with you I just I just think that but that being said it is amazing how this postseason has been filled with chalk which mm-hmm. is really good to see also because you want to see high quality baseball yeah Exactly. It's, I mean, I was a little worried when we had 16 teams make the postseason this year, you know, turning MLB into the National Basketball Association, where if you, if you are in the league, there's a one in two chance of you making the playoffs. Uh, what or better than one in two chance actually, but really I want to get your thoughts on the single standout moment for you in the postseason. If there's so far, if there's one moment that stood out to you, there is. Um, well, there's, there's two, there's two. All right. What's the number one? Um, number one is Brusso's Homer off Chapman. Mm-hmm. Um, and number two, I, I, you're going to hate this. Yeah, I know what you're going to say, but I know what you're oh, going to say. What am I, what are you going to, what am I going to say? Cody Bellinger in game seven. No. Hmm. Okay. No. Uh, I'm actually, well, we'll talk about this. There were several just small, just specific plays that stood out in the Dodgers series. And the one that, I mean, that stands out is like game seven Swanson getting thrown out at home. That was the mistake. I think that, you know, yeah, I think that cost him. Yep. No, 
it, that's it did. the one that was the one right there to me that mm. stings out to me no i agree it definitely sucked the life out of the braves offense and at that point in the game they were starting to get a bit of a rhythm they were starting to make good contact and get guys on yeah. and just one of the dumbest base running blunders of all time just happened to be from a guy who grew up not 15 minutes from my house who grew up a yeah. Braves fan who's only a few months older than me grew up a Braves fan well but it's like it's and like the con is that his fault or is it the fault the, co- the it's man both. for putting it's on the both. contact play it's if you, both if you have the contact play your job is to run as soon as the ball's hit right but also it. also even if you're told to go on contact when the infield is in in that mm. situation why why would you go on contact like what there's no point in throwing away outs against the Dodgers and to have with nobody out with second and third, you have to score at least one and they got nothing from that inning. And what was the difference in the game? One run. I mean, yes, the Dodgers are a very good team. Give them credit for taking advantage of mistakes, but you can't give it's it's. I will try to say this without getting into a long rant about Atlanta sports. It's the (laughs) Atlanta way to not, kill off the game when you have the opportunity or to yeah. overthink a specific moment and not mm. take advantage of what you have in front of you. Yeah. Namely the 2017 Atlanta Falcons or the 2016 Atlanta Falcons who miraculously shocked the world by becoming the only team to blow a 25 point lead in the Super Bowl. Okay, we're <laughs> done here. But no, no, essentially it's it's a little bit of understanding the situation and I think Dansby is only going to learn from that. Yeah, and it'll be better. But the one thing that drives me absolutely insane about the way people talk about the Braves, mm. people are saying, "Oh, well, you know, they're a good young team, and they'll be back next year." Yeah, you never know. People yeah. have been saying this about the Atlanta Braves literally my entire life. Sure. Full stop. That's it. Mm-hmm. They're oh yeah, they're a good young team. They have good young players. They have veterans. They're going to make a charge at winning the World Series yeah. this year. They've said that every year since 2000, every year since basically the mid nineties. And I, and yeah, it's happened one time in my lifetime. And that was only because they didn't choke. Sure. The other, and I, I, it's, it, it's a broken yeah. record and I'm sick of it. Yeah. And I understand. And, and cause look in sports, we think that a lot of times in lots of cases, teams never get back or, and I think that's what's, that's be that guy. But I think that's, what, I guess the frustrating thing looking back in that series was, Literally all it came down to to me was, I mean, sure, you know, specific plays and specific moments, but probably the most annoying thing about being a fan was some of them were just, you know, um, mistakes. Like, you know, sure, like, you know, hit, you know, um, plays are going to happen, right? Like, you know, Will Smith hitting a home run off, you know, Will Smith, that's going to happen. Or, you know, you know, Kike Hernandez, Belger hitting home runs. That's going to happen. But the plays like the Swanson base running or Atlanta, I think they had bases loaded, no outs against Walker Buehler, and they got none. Or when mm-hmm. Ozuna, you know, leaves early on third, like, when does yep. that ever happen? Yep. You know, those are just the small plays. And, it happened, you know, Kike Hernandez will look back, you know, bobbling a routine ball to second base leads to two runs. That's different in the game. Yep. Small plays like that. You know, of course, you don't want to put on them, but they matter. You know, they do. They they really do. And yeah, it it cost the Braves a series. And yeah, it's mistakes like that. You have to in the postseason. You have to do all the little things perfect. Yeah, you have to nail your fundamentals. If you don't nail the fundamentals, 
in October, mm. you're going to lose. Teams yeah. just take advantage of it. They yeah. they smell blood at this level. They smell blood. They're going to get you. And yep, it happened to the Braves. It can happen to either the Rays or the Dodgers. Depends on which team plays more complete baseball, more fundamental baseball from now until the end of the series. Yeah, I so I I firmly agree. The margins are so are so thin. They are. They are in October, and that's why playoff baseball is what it is because it can be as small as one innocuous little mistake that leads to the difference between winning and losing. Yep. And it's those small differences that make the biggest difference. Yeah, but absolutely. I will say as a Braves fan, though, and this is not something negative for once. This, like, this is actually something positive. Sure. Austin Riley's home run in game one in a tie game in the ninth inning. Yeah. That home run basically it prolonged the inevitable but it was something different we haven't necessarily seen out of not just the Braves but Atlanta sports teams mm. it was a never say die kind of attitude sure like no this game is not over sure Atlanta teams don't really have that they don't have the big comeback they're not good at coming from behind. I mean they're not good at, at, at winning generally but they never really had that. And that home run got me excited to the point where I was like, okay, maybe this year will be different. Obviously, it yeah. provided me with a false sense of hope. But just having that kind of singular moment from a player who was really struggling, yep. striking out a ton in the postseason, yes, Trevor Bauer and Luis Castillo are good, are good pitchers. And yes, the Marlins have some good arms in their team as well. But for a player of, of his talent to strike out that much, you get a little worried, and for him to hit that that home run when he did was huge for the team, and I thought huge for the series. But you know, game three comes around, and Kyle Wright's not sharp. Max, Mun- uh, not Max Muncy. Sorry, Justin Turner forgets what sport he's playing. Tries to play soccer. Uh, <laughs> umpires are awful. They don't see it, and then that Max Muncy hits a grand slam, and it's funny. from there. Yeah. It's just there's there's no way back. And you know they were gonna lose that game anyway, but just to have. To have it pro to have that inning prolonged by Justin Turner being a little bending the rules a little bit. Yeah, that's uh, unfortunate. That, that's a, unfortunate. That was really disappointing to me because you know, Justin Turner seemed like one of those guys. He's he's got a really good baseball story, kind of overlooked, bounced mm-hmm. around a lot between what was sure. it, the Orioles and the Mets, and all of a sudden he finds his home in LA, rebuilds a yep. swing a little bit, and finds a lot of the success and does really well. And then for him to kind of, you know do something that a lot of people didn't really talk about. I mean, yes, Max wants to hit a bit of home run on the, on, you know, the next AB, but you can't overlook the fact that Turner has been hit up to that point had been struggling against the Braves. Yeah. And Kyle Wright obviously didn't have his good stuff, but you got the sense that, okay, he's about to stop the bleeding. He's, you know, he's got right. Turner a little bit on the ropes and all of a sudden, yeah, Turner and, kicks a ball. Like, come on. It's, yeah, that's, that's, um, that's an unfortunate play, and I mean, yeah, that 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 potentially made made a difference in that game for sure. It's yeah. a really unfortunate, um, it's an unfortunate situation. Yep, you really hate to see it, honestly. But you do. At this point, I've been reminded that Atlanta sports only exist to disappoint their fans. It's not even Atlanta sports; just teams that play in the state of Georgia exist purely to torture their fans. I think. I think the city was built on some Native American burial site, and that's why we're cursed. 
I mean, <laughs> yes, we, you know, my roommate gives me grief for this, but yes, we've been to World Series. Yes, we won a World Series, and the Mariners have never been to a World Series. But at the same time, when you choke as many times as Atlanta sports teams have, at you, you just don't, you just stop caring because it's like the outcome is going to be the same. They're going to get my hopes up, and then they're going to smash my hopes all in one breath. So why, why bother? But you know, at the same time, the Dodgers are a very good team. They deserve to be in the World Series, and mm. you know. You know, I still I stand by the the statement that the Braves they they coughed it up. Simple as that. You know you know what this so two question well one question and one comment. Um when did you think honestly, objectively, that that you think the Dodgers were gonna win the series? Was it till the very end or did you think after they lost game five that that it was gonna be It was the way they lost game five. You thought so? It was it was the offense going anemic after the Mookie Betts catch. It was just I I don't know what got into the team, but from that point on in Game Five, not capitalizing multiple opportunities with runners in scoring position, that that's what told me like yeah this this series is this series is ending. It, like there's there's no way we're gonna go to the World Series now, and you know I hate to be mm. skeptical about it, and I hate to be that guy, but yeah. like I was right about it. I was like, yeah, no, we're 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 done. We're toast. We're losing the series in seven games. Like, I hate being right in this scenario because it means my my teams lose. I would rather be an idiot and sound like Skip Bayless and have my team win championships than always be right and have this unfortunate mess happen every single time. Yeah. That's uh I'm sorry, man. That's yeah. That's tough. Like you know, I, this reminds... Go ahead, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I know Cleveland has it tough too. Cincinnati has it tough. Minnesota has it tough. Yeah. But like... Atlanta... Atlanta yeah, has they, had they, so many more chances they have. in big moments. And in those big moments, they, they have not only meltdown. lost, they have lost in the most hilarious way every single time. Yeah. So it leads you to be like, well... What's the point of even making the playoffs if you're just going to lose like that? Like, why care? I to mean, be fair, to be fair, the only thing that Atlanta has, I just will say, over Cleveland is they beat them in the World Series. <laughs> yeah, and that's it. 1995. <laughs> they did beat them. Yep. We just, but no, I know, I know. They uh, in their big moments, man. They've really had some epic shortcomings. It's a torture as a fan. It's not fun. It's not fun. And I promised myself I wouldn't get into this kind of rant, but it just happens every time. Every time. It's just, it's, it's like moths attracted to light. It's, it's, it just happens. They tease you, man. They tease you. They just, they do it to you. They tease you and it is what it is. It is what it is. But, you know, baseball is still my favorite sport. The Braves are my favorite team. But it just sucks, man. But thankfully, we like more than one sport because we are we are football fans too. And by football, I don't sure. mean the one played with a little pigskin thing. I mean, oh, yo, know, real quick, football. real quick, one. Yeah, I just want to say that series really reminds me a lot of um, the 2007 ALCS. I remember it well. Um, Indians, Red Sox. Mm-hmm. I think one of our best teams um, blow to we know blow a three one lead to the Red Sox probably would have beaten Colorado in the World Series. Um, Fausto Cremona and Cece Sabathia lose all four games combined they pitched. 
Cleveland has a chance in one of the last three games to to win. They lose a close game, and uh, I thought that was, you know, of course Red Sox go on the sweep, but Colorado. I thought that was one of the that that reminded me a lot of of this series. Yeah, no, I remember that series too, but from the other perspective. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, it's it's one of those things where it it sucks when it happens, but I mean, at the time, did you kind of see it coming? At the time? Yeah. Um. Uh, yeah, a little bit. Yeah. It was one of those things, man, where I. I I didn't feel it kind of like this. I didn't feel confident, but you're tricked enough to believing it might be different mm-hmm. based on what's happening. Yeah, you know, I I agree. Yeah, Th- that false hope is the most killer thing this time of year for baseball fans and sports fans in general. But I guess it and is what do, it is at this who, point. Let me ask you this: Who do you think? Real quick, who do you think would be? It would would it be a bigger disappointment to? To not if they never won, Kershaw or Freddie Freeman. Kershaw. Kershaw Wait, for let's, sure. Let's let let me actually. I mean, I know it's gonna beat on the topic, but we should let me get your thoughts on Kershaw. What are your thoughts on on Kershaw and his game one performance and his legacy? He was good. He was good in game one. He he yeah. shoved it. Yeah. I mean, yes, yeah, he, he gave up his obligatory home run, but he still shoved for six yep. innings. And. Yeah, his offense gave they gave Dave Roberts a very easy decision. He doesn't need to push Clayton Kershaw if he doesn't have to. That's been the issue is because they haven't had the stable of guys behind him or the offense capable of doing that kind of thing where he has to push everything he can. He has to get every every ounce he can out of Clayton Kershaw. That's when Kershaw starts to struggle in October. But if you only give him five or six innings, he's gonna he's gonna yeah. be fine. And that's that's what's amazing about the splits is just ZRA after the sixth or seventh inning. Mm-hmm. That's really what has ballooned yeah. ZRA. And trust me, the Dodgers front yeah. office knows that very very well, and they have told Dave Roberts, "Hey, six innings. Don't don't run him out there for the seventh. I don't care what the score is. Don't run him out yeah. there for seven innings." And so far, Kershaw has been good in the postseason. Granted, what was it? Game two against Atlanta, he wasn't he wasn't great. But no, he was not. Well, but but that's another game though. He was uh, rolling right along through the first four or five innings, mm-hmm. and then he got shelled. What was it, the sixth inning? Mm-hmm. Yeah, roll. And you know, even then, tough play. I mean, that was the inning. That was the game where you know they get an infield hit, and you know the ground. Then there's another hit that's a like a line drive, kind of like a, a ground ball. Yeah, so it's unlucky. You're right, but I, I agree, and that's that's. That's the that's the game today, you mm. know, and the Rays do it too. Five or five innings, six mm. innings max, absolute max. Yeah. Well, the reason I say that it's a bigger disappointment if Kershaw doesn't win a World Series uh, compared to Freddie Freeman mm. is because Kershaw, I mean, he's won MVP, he's won multiple Cy yep. Youngs, he's going to mm. be a first ballot Hall of Famer. Yeah. But since he came up, and really since he was in the organization, but since he came up. He's drawn comparisons to one of the greatest pitchers of all time in Sandy Koufax. And to be that caliber pitcher in the regular season, but to have that sort of tendency to just implode in October, 
that makes it really disappointing for a player who's going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. It's it tarnishes yeah. his legacy to the point where if Freddie Freeman ever wins a World Series, which he plays for an Atlanta sports team, that's entirely possible, <laughs> unless he unless he gets traded or leaves in free agency. It's entirely possible that Kershaw would have a bigger stain on his career should he never win a World Series. Now, if if he's able to get it done this year, I think this year is is his window because after yep. after this year, the Dodgers are going to have some choices to make, especially when it comes to exactly. a certain shortstop. Yep. So whether, whether and Turner not, Turner's a free agent Turner's too. Turner's free agent. I'm pretty sure yep. Kenley Jansen's a free agent as well. Yep. Yeah. So there's sure. there's some decisions the Dodgers have to make, and if they want Clayton Kershaw to get PK a ring, Hernandez a free agent. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. They want Clayton Kershaw to get a ring. They got to do it this year. This hat. This I think has to be the year. For and Kershaw. that's why I I just want to say that you know this might be. And this is a controversial thing. I mean, this might be, I would argue, and I know it's hard because, you know, baseball is a tough sport that's very different, but the biggest disappointment for a team I can think of that were to lose, just given how how experienced and how good this team is from a talent perspective. I mean, can you think of, look, there were teams that were better, but can you think of a team... That was more. Can you? How many teams can you think of that were more talented? This, I mean, even the the Red Sox that beat the Dodgers in the World Series, and based on the numbers, with their win totals and their offense, like you could argue they're one of the greatest teams of all time. But I even don't think that team was as talented as this team, in my opinion. I will say though, this team has more, not really misfits, but more kind of players that they they basically moneyballed. I mean, that Red Sox team in 2018 was stacked. I mean, the same thing happened in 2007, but 2018, that team was absolutely stacked. More, more stacked than, more stacked than, than this one. And because those players had proven themselves elsewhere, um, Max Muncy was released by the A's. Justin Turner bounced around all over the place. Kenley Jansen mm-hmm. came up as a catcher, converted yeah. to a pitcher. Yeah. That, those Red Sox teams, David Price, Nathan Evaldi, Joe Kelly, American well, hero Joe Kelly. They have David Price and Joe Craig Kelly. Ki- on this team. Craig Kim. Well, David Price isn't pitching. Craig Kimbrell, yeah. Mookie Betts, Jackie Bradley Jr., the Spider Man in center field. Sure. Andrew Benintendi, who was the collegiate yeah. oh, player of the year in 2016. Yeah, Bogarts and, Xander yeah. Bogarts. Yeah. Mitch Mitchie Two Bags, Mitch Moreland. Mor- Moreland, yeah. The only active Hall of Famer, Sandy Leone. Oh, and Sandy. Christian the Babe Vasquez. Oh, but no, I, I think that team, that team, I think from a raw talent and hype perspective was more stacked than this Dodgers team. That said, this Dodgers team has been very good all year and they've performed like one of the greatest teams of all time. Wow, man. I mean, that was a, I mean, yeah, that was an incredibly talented team, but I don't know if I would say top to bottom, they're as talented as this Dodgers team, but I mean, based on the way they played, absolutely. But it's a close, it's an interesting argument. Oh, and that's not even counting. You know, I didn't even mention Chris Sale. Oh, Chris Sale. And Chris Sale currently, you know, currently on the shelf, but Chris Sale is one of the best pitchers in baseball, period. Doesn't matter how much he's getting paid or if he's overpaid, he's one of the best baseball. He's one of the best pitchers in baseball, period. Yeah. Just um no ifs, ands, or buts. Well, we can have that debate, but like at one point or another, 
most players on the Dodgers were either an elite player. Okay, in terms of, I know some of them were at one point struggling, but everyone on the Dodgers is either a really good player now, was a really good player for another team, or was an elite prospect. Every single one of them, like literally. <laughs> mm, I wouldn't say guys like Max Muncy and Kike Hernandez were elite prospects. Chris Taylor, not exactly. Well, no, no, I'm either. saying, I'm saying they were at one point. Well, I'm saying they were either good prospects, or they were very good for another team, or very good then. I mean, like Max Muncy was has mm. been a very good player for the Dodgers. For the Dodgers, yeah, but beforehand. Yeah, no, no, I know. I'm we're talking about the, we're talking about the years prior. But yeah. with, no, no, with, I agree. with the Red Sox, Chris Taylor, same thing, but he's yeah. been really good with the Dodgers. For yeah. The past but with the Red Sox, that entire team, I think they had been good for a while, but 2018 yep. is the year they put it all together and performed like that team. Now, obviously you're comparing the performances and you're comparing win totals and whatnot. I mean, this Dodgers I'm, team I'm, is, I'm saying, I'm saying purely based on talent. I think no, yeah. And I would say also based on talent too. I mean, you can wow. go position by position, Rafael Devers and Justin Turner. You probably give Devers the advantage there. I mean, Devers is younger, yes, but yeah, probably, I mean, yeah, probably he, slightly. He's improving slightly. defensively all the time, and I think he's a better hitter than Justin Turner. He's a better hitter, not not fielder. Xander Bogarts and Corey Seager, that's a tough one, but tough. I'd probably say Xander Bogarts. I think Seager really? might have him. De- Seager might have him defensively, but Bogarts I think is more durable, and he, I think he's a slightly better hitter. He's more consistent than uh-huh. he has been more consistent. Seager. When Seager. he's healthy, can when he's really... healthy, that's the thing. But he's Bogarts really? has been more consistent than Seager. Seager's been really yeah. hot and cold. Health is obviously a part of that. Yeah. Uh, second base, second base for the Sox that year was kind of kind of a question mark because I think no, Pedroia didn't play at all for them that year. No, no. Who was the starting second baseman for them that last year? Was it? Um... I'm blanking on who it was. Mm. Anyways, we'll skip that. First base, Mitch Moreland and Max Muncy. Mitch Moreland's a Gold Glove first baseman, and he, when he came to Boston, started hitting. That's only a plus for... Yeah, he was he was great. A team that had a revolving door at first base. Yeah. Catcher, give the Dodgers the advantage between yeah. Austin Barnes and Will Smith versus Sandy Leone and Christian Vasquez. I'd say Vasquez Although, might be the Leon, best defensive Leon's catcher of those. Defensive. Yeah, yeah. I'd yeah. say defensively, but defensively, I give the but Dodgers... Offensively, off. yeah, the Dodgers have not beat. Yeah. And then left to right and center. Benintendi... And uh, Taylor, Taylor who has or Pollock, start? Taylor or Pollock, Pollock. yeah, yeah. Benintendi, <laughs> probably Benintendi. Yeah, I agree. Center field, defensively, no question, Jackie Bradley Jr. Offensively, Cody Bellinger, not by mm. much, especially in the postseason, but Cody Bellinger. Dude, he's he's been hitting better. Also, I just want to say, dude, statistically, uh, Bellinger's a pretty good. Not Jackie Bradley Jr., but he's a pretty good. He's one of the best uh, Dodger defensive players. If you just look at like the metrics and stuff. Yeah, the metrics love Cody Bellinger. Okay. Just yeah. like baseball loves flair and baseball loves cocky guys. But, and... yo, you have to give, like, no offense. Like, Jackie Bradley Jr. is a good player, but an MVP is better than, than Jackie Bradley Jr. Cody Bellinger had a good three months. I'm sorry. He was abysmal in the second two, half of two 2019. Months, two, months, two months. Okay, yeah. He got a good two months. He still had though. a good two months. Still, though, still cool. though, he won MVP. <laughs> yeah, because he was good for two months, and he had the big flashy plays, and because he's because he drops his bat after he hits a home run, not look, counting the other was, three strikeouts he, he, he has. He didn't have game. it good, but if you actually look at his full season numbers, they are definitely pulled way up by the beginning, but they're still incredible. No, they are, and you give him credit they're for sure. Incredible. But I'm still saying 
offensively, he's better than Jackie Bradley Jr. I'm not hiding from that take. Oh, you're but also, defensively, you... defensively, Jackie Bradley should have no, at Bradley least three gold better. gloves. You also, I think you forgot J.D. Martinez. J.D. Martinez, we haven't even gotten D.H., yeah, J.D. Martinez. Between those yeah, two D. teams, best hitter, yeah. top to bottom. Yeah. He, okay. Because he, he came to Boston as, you know, he was the most sought-after free agent that year as, as far mm-hmm. as hitters go. But he impacted the entire team because of the way he goes about his business and seeing him go about his business encouraged yeah. the rest of the team yeah. to kind of follow him around he everywhere did. and see he how he did and he, he, yeah he's known for like teaching people about hitting yeah. and stuff he and he, he treats hitting as an art yeah and he's very good at it mm-hmm. i don't think there's anyone in the dodgers you would literally be like yeah no this is this is what a hitter looks like but on that mm-hmm. on that red sox team you go no that's a hitter that's a guy whose his one job is to go up there and do damage yeah dodgers yeah. they all do damage that's that's the i guess issue there's no yeah. one guy who you know what you're going to get. Red Sox had that guy in 2018. So, I mean, you're you're really, you know, you're picking at the smallest, smallest I mean, I would say, here's where I'd say the Dodgers have a distinct advantage over that 2018 team. Is, like, now don't get me wrong, the way they, and look, I have, I, I have to look at the numbers, but, and don't get me wrong, the Red Sox, pitched very well in the postseason, but I would stay their pitching staff. The Dodgers have a better pitching staff. Um, like, Chris Sale was great. Uh, David Price had his struggles. Eduardo Rodriguez wasn't the Eduardo Rodriguez he is now. Um, Evaldi, um, you know, obviously he wasn't really in the picture. Um, whereas the Dodgers were the best, if not the second best, starting pitching team in the regular season. And... Um, the, the the Red Sox. There was some questions about their bullpen, but yeah, know, no, I they, was I was one of the biggest skeptics about their bullpen in 2018. I thought, yeah, no, this team's not going anywhere in the postseason. Yeah. They won a lot of games, but their their bullpen is sus, yeah. and you need a good bullpen in October. Alex Cora flipped that narrative on its head when he, he started did. throwing Chris Sale out there for the eighth and ninth innings, mm-hmm. and Joe Kelly in like the fourth inning. Yep. Of games or however early he decided to unleash 100, 101 also, that, out of hand. Also, that was all-star. He was an all-star that season, wasn't he? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Evaldi yeah. with 102, two-seamer, yeah. unhittable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he would, the team as a whole just sure. pitched out of but their minds. In I would just say, though, that why the, it's an interesting comparison, though. It's just like, if you don't, I agree. Like, they mixed and matched, mm-hmm. but like, you, I remember you talking about their questions about the bullpen. Yeah, no, I you know? definitely have on, on the contrary, uh, even though we probably knew better, if you look, the Dodgers, were they in regular season bullpen era? Top five, definitely. Mm-hmm. They're yeah. right there. So. No, that's fair. That's fair. And you have to give, you have to give yeah. them credit. Um, and I'll, I'll concede the Dodgers have, by and large, a better pitching staff than that and, Red Sox And also, team, also. Just on talent alone. Also, I just want to say this. I know they didn't play an unbalanced schedule, but the look the Red Sox. What they won 110 games. 108, like, I think. Okay, the Dodgers were what 43 and 17. Mm-hmm. That's incredible pace. Yeah, it would have been close. Mm-hmm. Like just in wins, probably. Yeah. I I still think the Red Sox were definitely better. Yeah, but I think know. I think the other thing we have to kind of take into consideration a little bit though division. is the strength of the division. Sure. Yeah, I agree. The the AL East is consistently at least it's pretty top heavy, but those top teams, I think Tampa Bay won 90 96 games that year 
and they finished third in the division. Yeah. The Yankees won a hundred and finished second. That's, yeah, it's incredible. that's absurd. I don't think anyone else had a winning record in that in the Dodgers in the AL West or the NL West this year. I think it was just the Dodgers. It was kind of a runaway. Well, Padres. Oh, that's true. That's true. I I can't. See, I'm not used to seeing the Padres in October, and this is no disrespect to the Padres at all. It's just like yeah. this has they haven't been on the national and, stage, and, and, then, and the Giants weren't bad. They were my they like were right around 500. They were hovering yeah. at 500, I think, all season. Maybe they were like yeah. a game or two above. But I, I agree. There, it's no comparison. But yeah, so the divisions, I think. You know, they play a factor. Now, obviously, these aren't the exact same Red Sox and Dodgers teams, so we'll never really know. And obviously, the one player who is on both teams is a one Mookie Betts. But, and David Price. And, was, yeah, I mean, David Price, but we haven't really seen David Price Joe Kelly. for the Dodgers Joe Kelly. this year. Joe Kelly, yes, that's true. Joe Kelly. Joe Kelly was a national hero when he uh, decided to almost hit Carlos Correa. I mean, honestly, uh, he didn't even mean to, and Carlos Correa is just salty because it's like, ah, oh, stop throwing at me. We cheated, but we're fine because the commissioner said we're okay. I thought so, but then I remember listening to his, you know, his post-game press conference. God, he is so arrogant. It's, it's unbelievable. Oh, yeah. It's unbelievable how players like that. And it starts from the ownership, too. I think Lunau even doubled down on his comments. He was just like, yeah. Yeah. So? I like it, it's it's a, it's literally a cultural organizational thing. And there's also other reports of the, the organization starting from ownership all the way down is just toxic. Not just yep. not just mm-hmm. in the way they go about their business, but for women and minorities. Yeah. Apparently there's a lot of workplace harassment and discrimination allegations against terrible. the team. And you never see that consistently in baseball, but all of a sudden it comes from a team who won a World Series in twenty seventeen. It's it's not something you ever want to see in any professional sport or any walk of life, period. But to have it come from a team that achieved that level of success is disgusting. And yeah, it's, let's, it's let's sad. It's it is. sad. Yeah. Call it what it is. It's toxic. Speaking of toxic, mm. Willie, Chelsea three, Southampton three. What are we, what are we doing here? What's, what's going on? What's going on with, uh, what's going on yeah. with Chelsea? Yeah. Um, you know, it's so interesting, man. Um, Chelsea is so... They are, look, as a neutral... If you're a neutral fan, they'd be great to watch. Mm-hmm. Because their games are always so dramatic. Because you never know what you're going to get from game to game. You know, minute to minute of a game. I could... If you didn't know who the team was, and I showed you periods of 15 to 20 minutes throughout the game... You could you would say at some of these clips or some of these you know chunks of the game that if I cut tape they would they are the best team in the world. Then there are other times and I could show you moments and you'd think that they're they're a team a relegation team. It's just and I think that you know what it is is I I just think that you know at the moment they're very prone to individual mistakes. You know. Um, and don't get me wrong when I just can't believe Keppa had to play that game, but, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, they're just, um, at the moment, it's just a very frustrating pattern and you just hope, I see a lot of progress in the team shape. They seem more disciplined, uh, despite the fact that they're playing a very attacking like formation, but there's just too many defensive mistakes for you know and uh that's something they're just gonna have to fix yeah and 
you know, I think it was alarming when they went down 3-0 at the Hawthorns against West Brom. Yeah. I think that kind of reminded everyone, like, hey, now, this team didn't really do anything to strengthen defensively. I mean, yes, Thiago yep. Silva is a, a huge buy, but at the end of his career, what is he going to offer you besides experience? Because he doesn't speak sure. English. He's never played in England. He doesn't know what the well, game is like. You'd think the thing is you'd think, what you'd think is that, and I mean, don't get me wrong, that didn't happen that game. But you'd think, if anything, um, he he would wouldn't be prone to the mistakes. Mm-hmm. You know, he'd be you know caught out of position. Mm-hmm. But in terms of you know, Zuma and Christensen and Rudiger are all prone to just individual mistakes. Mm-hmm. You know, there's not not none of them are consistent. So yeah. you'd think that at least Thiago would be the most consistent defender out of them. Right. No, um, and yeah, you would. You would assume that, sure. But you also have to take in consideration he's also having to adapt to a new league where in the Premier League, you can't just dilly-dally on the ball. You can't just, you know, Mm. you can't just take a few touches and assess your options and then pick out a pass, a diagonal 40-yard pass downfield. Sure. You can do that in other leagues, but you can't really do that in England. Okay, you know what? You're, You're right. You're absolutely right. But I wouldn't read too much into that one, that one specific mistake. That nine, 99 times out of 100, that doesn't happen. I think that's just one of those. I don't think it has to do with this. That specific play doesn't really have anything to do with the, the league. I think it's just one of those that happens every so often. True. Just I mean, like, a de- you know, like, yeah. Yeah, no, I mean. It, Even know, David to... Luiz, who makes a lot of mistakes. Right, right. That one mistake he has where he just kind of slips mm-hmm. when the ball is coming back, you know. Yeah, right, like, but. No, I don't want to step on your toes, but it just does feel like sometimes it yep. is a bit of a, you know, it's a bit of a crapshoot, which well, which yeah. Diago Silva you're going to get because he's coming from a league that, mm. frankly, isn't as tough as the one in England. I mean, he played for the best team in the in the, one of the worst leagues of the top five in Europe. Mm. And, you know, yes, he was instrumental in those teams, but at the same time, you have to go to a league where there's no established top dog. Because yeah. it could be anyone. Every given, I mean, besides 2016, 2017, when Man City just ran train yeah. over everyone, or whatever year it was, it was 17, sure. 17, 18, where they destroyed everyone. Yeah, you know, it's it's a pretty fair league, and there's a pretty good chance for every team on any given match week to beat any other team. That you just don't really see that, and so for him to come from that sort of team into an environment mm-hmm. where the defense is very young and they're talented, yeah. but they're making mistakes. Is he the guy to kind of settle everyone down and be like, hey, guys, like, I, I, I get it. There's pressure. It's mm. a big club, but this is how you play at big clubs. This is what you do. And so far, it hasn't really been that kind of that kind of performance from Tiago Silva. Yeah, I mean, and I, I would just I would say that, you know, look, he hasn't he's you know, he hasn't played very much yet. So, you know, it's you know, as he gets more games and his fitness and everything, you know, mm-hmm. I think he'll be better. Right. But I would say, to your point, in the Premier League, all all twenty teams are really good. You have to be good every game. You know, it's not like France, where you know, other than one year they actually lost the league. You know, PSG pretty much rolls every team. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, and I and I'd also say my my question, you know, is, you know, first of all. Uh, there's two things which I think are really uh, for, number one, like you said, you know, obviously he, when 
he, in his peak, was, I would say, the best center defender in the world. I mean, growing up, I loved watching Thiago Silva, and he was, well, I think at one point he was kind of universally recognized as the best. Yeah. And he can absolutely reach a high level. So there's no doubt in certain games he can, but there's two questions. Like, one, can he do it consistently? And the other thing, like you said, is if you look at a guy like a, a Van Dyke, you know, just not only how good he is, but the effect that he has with his leadership. And given the fact he can't speak, you know, English, uh, you know, can he really get the best out of the whole team, the the whole defense? And that's why I just think Espelicueta should move the center back. I think that's the only option Chelsea really has if they realistically want to compete. Yeah. No, that's that's would, that's a fair assessment, I think. And yeah. even to even add to your point, look at the 2014 World Cup in the semifinal when he was absent. Yeah. What happened to Brazil without Thiago Silva? Too yeah. much time on the ball, lazy, careless mistakes. I mean, that was a it was a it was a not just a tactical having your best center back mm. not be able to play, but it's a leadership yeah. thing too. Yeah, and absolutely. we know he's a really good leader on the pitch and in the dressing he room is, as well. But you're right when you can't speak English. Exactly. I mean, when you just, can't like, communicate effectively deal. with your teammates. Yeah. Because he's the kind of guy throughout his whole career, he has been that that leader. Mm-hmm. And he's just been a tremendous defensive center back. Like. Yeah. And so yeah, that's the He's taking classes, supposedly, but yeah. is he going to have the galvanizing effect? I don't know. And, right. and that's where I look at Chelsea's investment strategy, and I'm just not sure what they were thinking in that regard. But, you know. He's, he's no John Terry, and mm. he's no Rio Ferdinand. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, that's the kind of player Chelsea need, and that's not who he is. For any, you know, that said, absolutely going forward, Chelsea are a very dangerous prospect, very, very dangerous. They are, they're going to score a lot of goals this year, mm. but unless they get something sorted out and sorted out quickly, they're going to concede a lot of goals too. So every game is going to be like a 3 2 or a 4 3. They are, but I do just want to say that, first of all, I like our, I like our chances in. You know, given we're out of the League Cup, you know, the Champions League, uh, just I think our team is so talented on any given day or over two legs, we can absolutely put together a couple games and beat any any team. Uh, and the second thing is just if you look at the Premier League right now, I mean, there's really no clear-cut favorite. Mm-hmm. And now we'll get to it, I'm sure, but, you know, after Liverpool loses Van Dijk for however long, and I don't know, you know, if Thiago, what the deal with that is, but particularly with Van Dyke out, you know, that changes the whole everything. And I just don't really think there's a clear cut favorite. So, you know, maybe Chelsea all of a sudden is like right back in the title conversation. But yeah, no, it's yeah. a long season. We're only what, five weeks in, six weeks in? But you couldn't pick, I mean, let's, but let's be honest. I mean, in any. There, there might not be a more valuable player to his team than Van Dyke. Any, any team, any really good team, one player. I'm not sure that there's a more valuable player to his team. So, big yeah. loss. No, you could definitely make the case that his loss is going to be bigger for any other team in the Premier League. Mm. Leicester have a bunch of injuries as well. They're missing a bunch of key mm. players, but I think Liverpool missing their one 
leader at the back, yeah. the guy who organizes the team, both behind yeah. him and in front of him. <laughs> yep. He keeps Allison basically unemployed all game. And then yep. Allison is is so good that he is able to make just a ridiculous world-class save. And I hmm. want to talk about the Merseyside Derby. And by oh, that, that I mean I want to get your take on the game because I have my takes on the game. Okay. But I will I will let you go first. I will give you the floor because okay. oh, I've got some spice when it comes to you that, okay. that club. Yeah. Um look, I want to hear your take more than mine, but um, you know, I just thought that okay, well, uh I mean two takes. Number one, I just gotta say Two really awful challenges. Mm-hmm. Really, really yep. hate you. Hate to see it. Yep, tragic travesty. Yep. Um, two horror challenges. Mm-hmm. Um, absolutely a shame that Pickford is not going to get punished. Nope. Um, that's a horror challenge. And then the second thing I would say is is just um, I you know I, I last season seemed like such a magical thing. Because, look, for how dominant Liverpool was, they won their fair share of close games. And it just always felt like, particularly before the um, coronavirus and before before that Watford loss, it was like every close game, no matter if they're ahead, tied, or behind, they're going to find a way to win. And it was really surprising to me the fact that Liverpool played very well, really, but just made a couple mistakes and, uh, you know, didn't come out with the win. I thought that was that was surprising, and maybe it points to something deeper, but maybe not. Is that your whole take on the game? Well, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> okay, so a couple follow-ups. Um, number one, you've already touched on Pickford. Um, Richarlison's challenge was mm. obviously punished, as it should have been. Mm. But was Mane offside? Yes or no? Um, it's a simple question. Was, was Mane offside? offside? Maybe like the slightest. I, I I don't know. I don't think there's a wrong answer there. <laughs> okay. Follow up question: Was yeah. Van Dyke offside? <laughs> no. The answer to both questions should be no, because you cannot just dis- you cannot hope to have definitive evidence and discern that with the human eye, mm. maybe by a pixel that is the size of yeah something you know, like we're talking micrometers, sure. And for for a referee who's not even at the stadium to make that as just to make that assessment, first of all on Van Dyke, who is offside by his arm, which you cannot use to score a goal. Yeah. On what planet is that offside? Additionally, if you are so focused on seeing whether or not a player is offside, I get that. Sure. You also have to look at the video. How many times do you think David Cooney watched that video? At least 15 times. And Mm -hmm. in each one of those videos, he sees a reckless player endangering challenge. Sure. (laughs) By a player 
who, as a result of that repeated review of the same video, mm. was not punished. Mm. It is part of my language. It is absolute bullshit that Jordan Pickford is not suspended for at least three games. Yeah, at least. I, mean, I what I'm confused about is like, I guess technically they could have gone back and reviewed and looked at if it was a card, but they actually weren't. That's not the reason they went to the monitor, mm-hmm. so maybe he wasn't allowed. I'm not exactly sure. Yeah, and that's... But absolutely, that was an awful challenge. Mm-hmm. Like, that was no no doubt. You don't want that in the game. It is the VAR referee for a given game. It is his responsibility, mm-hmm. or her responsibility, yeah. or their responsibility to assess... And adjudicate on the game as it is happening, not just for things they are asked to review. Because how many times have we seen a team scores a goal and the referee on the pitch has got his finger in his ear? He's trying to listen to his earpiece. Hey, guys, yeah. I think there may be offside. Who's making that call? Because it's no one on the pitch, it's someone in a control room miles away making that call, determining by the size of micrometers by Mm. pixels that a player is either on or offside it's absolutely shocking to me that not only is pickford not suspended for at least three games but that richarlison isn't suspended for at least a game and retroactively liverpool aren't awarded three points because they won that game i'm sorry they won that game everton were gifted two points by the league period i'm not backing down from this take and Haters from other teams, fans of other teams, go ahead and get at me. But Liverpool were absolutely robbed in this game. And if you want to, if you want to nitpick every situation, then go ahead. But you're saying it's okay for well, a two-footed only, challenge okay. of that nature to be okay. Here's the only thing I'll say. Here's the only thing I'll say. I can't disagree with that take. And what I will say is, there's absolutely no excuse for the uh, the, the 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 you know. Pickford not getting a red card and ejected for the game. Um, and you never, you know, that definitely could have had an effect in the game. Now, with regards to the offside calls, the only thing I will just say is that ever since the process of VAR has happened, there have been some plays that have been extremely close. So while Liverpool were the victim of some calls that were like, I don't know how, how much closer you could possibly get, you know, there have been some really tight, you know, calls that I'm sure a lot of teams have been upset about. But yeah, I can't disagree with that take. They def- you could definitely make the case for that. Right. And the frustration the frustration with Liverpool and Klopp was absolutely irate in his press conference on mm. Tuesday for yesterday's game against Ajax. Mm-hmm. He wanted to tear every reporter in that room or on that call who asked him about Van Dyke. He wanted to tear each one of them a new asshole because he was furious that Pickford will not face suspension Mm. because he put in danger, whether he meant to or not, he put in danger the safety of another player. That is, by definition, worthy of a red card. Yeah, No ifs, ands, or... It doesn't matter if the player is offside. You can get sent off from a game that's over. Yeah, no, I, 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 I agree. You know, look, we can sit here and, you know, argue about offsides and handballs all we want, but the one thing that absolutely has no place in the game are bad injury tackle you know tackles and and violent conduct um you know uh Mm -hmm. so those those things absolutely 
has to be punished. Um, mm-hmm. Because, yeah, those are career... I mean, look, it's not going to be career-enders, but th- those are just oh, terrible. And, and And to be honest with you, I mean... I think you can even make an argument that the, the Richarlson one was even worse mm-hmm. the tackle. Yeah, um, that one. So, it was it was equally as bad, and yeah. for for some reason, Michael Oliver decides to get it right, and the VAR official decides to get it right as well. What a coincidence! The end of a game. I mean, yes, Tiago is fine, and he actually delivered the pass that should have been that should have led to the game winning goal. But, well, he he. I mean, he said afterwards he was injured. Like, yeah, I mean, no, no, no. But probably, he 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 played through. He got to the point where he was able to continue and play through it. Van Dyke, he, he there. He barely walked off. I don't know how he put any weight on that leg. He's some oh, yeah. kind of superhuman. Yep. But to put a bow on this, and mm. I really don't want to talk about this any more than we have to. But it is just, it's baffling to me that the use of VAR or the lack thereof can be so blatantly awful it it's yes I get it this sounds like sour grapes because the team lost 7-2 to two against Aston Villa a few weeks before that but come on you cannot cannot hope to justify a reckless two-footed challenge on two separate players at two instances of the game one of which is a red card, one of which is not, and apparently the first one's okay. Hmm. What, what I mean, okay, so the thankfully for Liverpool, Thiago's not going to miss an extended amount of time. He'll be probably back in the lineup before the end of October. At least training before the end of October. Same thing with Allison. But you just I I cannot put into words how stupid and frustrated. Yeah. How, how stupidly just how stupid VAR is in this in this example, mm. where the lack of using VAR for its very intended purpose. And what's even more shocking is for the Premier League not to say, well, this wasn't reviewed in the game, but we've judged that this is a serious player endangering challenge, yeah, and you I, need to be punished for it. I think that what's appalling about it not only is like, yeah, like you said, absolutely there's no place for a challenge that bad, that was so bad. Uh, but just like the fact that they could have, you know, sometimes like, for example, the the handballs are tough because like you could argue that, you know, it was or wasn't a handball, but the law is written a certain way. But look, if you have the ability to eject someone for that, I mean, there's no question about mm-hmm. it. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, absolutely that yep. that's um horrific i'm not sure there has to be some way that it's you know what's interesting is like um i always thought it was interesting and i, I know you could say this is like it but it shouldn't there just be like okay so like in baseball right um these calls go back to the replay center right and joe mm-hmm. tory he's right there yep there should be someone from like the head of the league or FIFA, whatever competition is that can overrule like anything and just say like, that's we're going with that. Yeah. In special cases like this, you know? Yeah. No, right now the PGMOL has really failed and it's disproportionately affecting one team. 
That should never be the case. If it's going to affect the league, it's got to affect the whole league, not just one team. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, but I'm not going to back down from this take. Pickford should be out for more than three games, or three games at least. Yep. And Richarlison yeah. should have more than one game. Mm. At, le- mm-hmm. at least more than one. But, you know, mm-hmm. as Klopp would say, we can't do anything to change it. We have to take it like it is. And we're going to show the world we're a good team even without Van Dyke. And... Yes, they got lucky at times, but they played really well without Van Dyke defensively. And Fabinho was magnificent as a, as a fill-in center back. He was, There's yeah. enough cover from the academy and from the young players that Liverpool will be okay going into oh, but, but the next transfer window. But they're not going to be this, they're not going to be as good as no. they were. No, yeah, but they're without, still a very good Van team. Dyke, they're they're a very good team, but they they definitely lost a step without yeah. him. No, teams teams are going to start targeting Joe Gomez as the weak link because Gomez is still he's still yeah. young. He still has he's inconsistent. A, yeah. He still has a bit of a mistake in him, and by that I mean he's a little reckless in the way he defends. He doesn't use his athletic ability to mm. be in a good position to begin with. No, he uses yep. his, his athletic ability and his pace to recover from being in a bad position and making Absolutely a dumb decision right. on the he's ball. He's caught out. He can get really caught out. Yeah, uh, and. To you know, I know him and Van Dyke are like friends, and he holds him in line too. Mm-hmm. So that could even be accentuated by him. Yeah, Van Dyke being out of the lineup. Yeah. So I mean, Klopp's got to figure out what his preferred center back pairing is by mm-hmm. the time you know the next couple of games rolls around because Fabinho. Yo, I, yeah. Fabinho I, for sure is a center back. I gotta say too, um, and it's it's kind of interesting. And look, I I, I know. You're saying, oh, well, this in the hindsight doesn't look bad, but kind of like the Dodgers, right? Where we're talking about the starting pitching. You got to figure that, look, you know, there's always the chance this could happen. You know, Van Dyke, like, hardly ever misses a game. And, you know, Matip's been injured. So, not uh, get having Lovren back. I mean, Lovren has shown he can fill in when necessary. And I think he would step right. I think Lovren steps right in if the, uh, this happens, truthfully. Mm, I, I guess, but Lovren has this streak in him, at least when he was at Liverpool, to go on a run of games where he's doing really well as a fill-in for one of the two center backs. He'll make a couple mistakes in some games, but it ultimately won't cost them that many points, if, if any. But then he'll have one game where he just makes the most... Bo- he, he, he goes full David Luiz yeah. uh, and costs the team points. And then he'll be out of the side again for a little bit. And then he'll come back in when someone else gets hurt or someone can't play for a while. And he'll do the same thing over and over again. So that was that's kind of the cycle of Dan. I mean, he had his moments. Obviously, the, the goal against Dortmund in the Europa League yeah. in 2016, that was a huge moment for the club. Yeah, just but in you, just, you, can't, you can't rely on... I mean, Fabinho has definitely looked good. But I just don't... not necessarily sure you can rely on him as the replacement i mean he's gonna have games where he struggles i'm sure yeah no that's that's true and he's had games where he struggled in in midfield as well in his number six role but yeah but i think the the one thing that klopp will have in his back pocket is he's seen the development of of a couple players but one in particular that i think liverpool fans are going to start hearing a lot of and i think Mm. he'll he'll make his debut in the premier league a lot sooner than later Mm. is reese williams oh yeah came on as a sub late in the game against ajax and Klopp has really been impressed with what he's seen both in the League Cup and in obviously <laughs> sure. in training and in mm-hmm. the Champions League game. So he has enough yeah. faith in him to put him on, which means he's going to see some he's going to see some playing time. 
because the games are going to yeah. start coming thick and fast and mm. the squad is going to have to be ready for it. Obviously, Klopp did a lot of good. Klopp and uh, Michael Edwards and the rest of, of Liverpool did a really good job in the transfer window, bolstering their left back options, their attacking options, and obviously getting the little the little yeah, wizard but, in midfield. But but okay, this is really interesting. Um, you're right. They bought a new left back, and you're absolutely right. They have Reese Williams. They have you know Curtis Jones. They have these you know Seth Ben Seth uh, Vandenberg. I don't know when he's going to play, but um, I suppose you could argue that. Maybe they didn't have enough cover at center back, potentially, if this were to ever happen. Because, like I said, like Matip has an injury history, which really gives you only, you know, two center backs you think are going to be healthy for the most part, Van Dyke and Gomez. So then if one of them gets hurt, then all of a sudden you, you need them. You mm-hmm. know, I feel like four center backs is, is a good number. Right, and and that's what Klopp was counting on, actually, because Klopp at the beginning of the season was counting on okay, Van Dyke, obviously one of Gomez and Matip, sure, and then Fabinho as uh, the fourth. Well, I, if that was part of the plan, but I'm that was part of the plan, yeah. If they didn't really think of it, or then you know, no, because maybe... that was part of the plan, and then the other the bet the other bit of the plan was to have guys like Reese Williams and Seth Vandenberg ready in case something like this happens. The narrative that. Klopp sure. didn't do enough in the transfer window or that Liverpool aren't aggressive enough in yeah. reinforcing the team doesn't really take into consideration the way Klopp does his job. He does. He's not a checkbook. He's not going to go out and just buy players for the hell of it. He buys players that have mm. a specific need, True. That players that he has a specific need to buy, and center back mm. for Klopp last year and the year before was not one of those positions. No. And especially when you can develop players from the academy <laughs> and players who come in for a very low fee like Seth Vandenberg did last year, you're going to mm-hmm. have cover. And it's, you know, of course, losing Van Dyke is huge. But at the same time, in a pandemic, you also can't just go out there and spend money like the Chelsea's and Man City's of the world. It's just not possible. No, but, but, but I think that, no, I understand. But I, I also think like, you know, depth, is not a problem until it's a problem, you know? And, and that's, like, where it's, like, you have to be prepared for all, you know, scenarios. And, you know, you just look like last year, right, before they, you know, bought a new player for Olympiacos, like, you know, if Robertson had gotten hurt, yeah, they could have put Milner there, but that would have been an issue. But it wasn't because he, he was healthy, you know? If, like... And and that and that's the point. This wouldn't have been an issue if Van Dyke didn't get hurt, but he did. And I'm not so. And in terms of what you can do, right? Um, if you don't think that the academy guys are ready, or the young, or not academy, the young, or just the young guys, then just a low cost rental option um, could suffice. But you know, it, it could it could be an issue. You know, well we'll see. I mean, I'm sure Fabinho will do a good job, but you know, you, you just never know. You have to see it first. Yeah, and and that's. that's I mean, look, the... we look like like I think he's much better equipped than Fernandinho, but Fernandinho that did not work. So you know, yeah, that did not work. 
I mean, of course, this is all this is all speculation. We don't know how effective they're going to be without Fabinho, but or without Van Dyke with Fabinho mm-hmm. filling in. But I don't think there was an issue with the plan at all. And this may be me drinking yeah. the Kool Aid and mm-hmm. listening to every word Klopp says because I mean, because he's Jurgen Klopp. What 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 are you going to do? Blame me? On the real, I think the plan at its core is fine. I have no grips with not buying another center back. I mean, I'm sure. A lot mm-hmm. of Liverpool fans were just like, okay, we need another center back, we need another left back, we need another another attacker to cover one of the front three. But you have to understand that financially, you have to be in a sustainable position. And FSG aren't going to just give Klopp 300 million pounds a year like uh, Sheikh Mansour yeah, gives to Pep right, Guardiola or Bramovich gives to Lampard. There are cheap options. Right, but they there. have to be like, the right player. Klopp, Klopp believes... Remember Clavin? Rodner Clavin? Yeah. There you go. Right, but it's it still has to be the right player for the right moment. And Klopp has Klopp knows what he's doing. And that's that's kind of the the, the bow I'll put on all of this. Is he well, knows what he's doing. But the only difference, like I'll say, is just like look, well only time will tell. There may be very little drop off or a lot. We'll just see how the defense goes. It may not be an issue at all. If Fabinho can be a good center back, but the only difference is, you know, like you look at if okay, if one of the front three were to be injured, they have don't get me wrong, they'd have a drop off, but they have so much cover. They still have Shakiri, Minamino, they didn't they have Jota, they have Rigi. Uh you know, like the, that's more than enough guys. My point is they don't have enough they don't have a fourth center back which is pretty for a big club that's pretty customary just it's like having like three catchers or three quarterbacks you know what i mean so that's all i'm not saying it might mean absolutely nothing but it could be something no we'll just that's, have to watch. that's fair i'm just from from what i've seen in the club and what from what i've seen this club do and what i've seen Klopp do from mm. injury situations like this because we've had situations like this or injury or just your talent levels because yeah. let, let me get this straight alberto moreno is not a defender he's a winger who sure. was forced to play left back. Yeah, yeah, he was. Yep. Klopp has done this before. He's going to do it again, and mm. the club's going to be fine. Yes, there's going to be a drop-off because Van Dyke <laughs> is arguably the best center back in the world right now. Yeah. But is there going to be a drop-off? Probably. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if Liverpool fail to compete for the league this year and they end up battling for third or fourth. I wouldn't be surprised. At the mm. same time, I also wouldn't be surprised if they still maintain a title challenge. I mean, I wouldn't rule it out. This team is no, deeper than a lot of people think. And hmm. I also want to throw out there that there is another emergency center back in the squad. And I just wonder if you can guess who. Henderson? Yeah. Henderson's an emergency center. He's, he's a break glass if needed kind of center back. He can play the position. Well, yeah. I mean, he's not a natural center back by any means. He's yeah. not a commanding presence in the air in the six-yard box. But... If Look, the, absolutely the, necessary, he can play center yeah, back. Yeah, I mean, but the question really, really, like the yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, he sure could, but uh, you know, there could be games where it is an issue. Liverpool are absolutely good enough for ninety percent of the time; it won't be an issue. But if they either have an off day where they're not playing well, or they play a really good team, and the you know, then then it could become an issue potentially. Yeah. And this is the one thing that differentiates certain clubs. And also, I'll, can I just make one more point? Yeah. Uh, also think about this, too. 
Liverpool plays such a high line, and Van Dyke's always the guy organizing the team. He's always the guy organizing the team. You can see him on the TV. He's telling everybody to stay, you know, horizontal, making sure guys are in position, yelling at guys if they're out of position. And, like, the way they press and they play, you know, you can't have huge gaps in the middle. You have to have a high line to condense the space. Mm -hmm. And so that's another part is, like, you know, yes, you can drop off a little bit, but one player could potentially throw off their whole, like, team shape, too. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, no, no. I, I, I agree. Van Dyke is more than just more oh, than just the actual so sheer talent incredible. itself. I mean, yeah. he he understands the game well. He reads the game well, and he organizes mm-hmm. the team, and he leads from that position. Mm-hmm. But I will throw out there that what's going to make this timeline of not having Van Dyke a little more bearable for Liverpool is knowing that the guy behind defense is going to be just fine, and he's going to be a big part. If Fabinho has to play most of those games at center back, or pretty much every game at center back, then who's who's the guy playing behind him? Is he mm-hmm. also Brazilian? Because I think he's also Brazilian in Allison. The Although, difference between be fair, those two is between let, Allison let's, let's, and you know, Adrian. Well, let's be fair though. Absolutely, Allison is way better than Adrian, and Adrian's made some mistakes. But it's not like Allison's so form has been great when he's been healthy, though. Right, but he's still one of those keepers who he knows what yeah, he's he doing, a and he makes Absolutely. a he massive he difference. Yeah, he's a good shot stopper. And it's it's not just for it's for when the team has the when the team's high up the pitch and they have the ball. He goes up and he can communicate with Fabinho more effectively because they both they can both speak Portuguese, so mm-hmm. he can tell Fabinho yeah. more effectively what he needs to be doing, and they have that. They can have that connection. Now, obviously, yes, he's no Van Dyke, and I don't want to keep going in this because I want to get to our hot takes. But I think a lot of people are going to be surprised with how good Liverpool can be even without Van Dyke. I'm serious. They they held that Bayern Munich team, not this past season, but the season before, at home in the Champions League to no goals without Van Dyke. It's doable. It's, oh, it's very doable. doable. Yeah. It's doable. But, you know, those in individual games doesn't make a difference. Right, but they they didn't really miss a beat in that game. Offensively, they weren't very good, but those games those games happen, especially they against do. European heavyweights like Bayern Munich. Yeah, they won the Champions League six times. Of course, they're going to do things like that. Yeah, but absolutely. Anyways, we've been we've been going on and on <laughs> about Van Dyke and Liverpool for forever, and I don't want to make this seem like it is an excessively Liverpool podcast because it's oh. not because we got we've got a Chelsea representation here, but I want to get. If you have any other final thoughts before we get to hot takes on just the Premier League right now, any oh. games you're looking forward to this weekend? Obviously, the big one is Man United and Chelsea. Yep. On uh, on Saturday. Sure. Excited well, uh, I I should just mention real quick uh, that um, you know Everton are a really interesting case. You know, I, I don't know. I, they could actually legit make top four. It All right, well, this has been the last ever episode of Hot Takes Only. <laughs> I'm never doing a podcast yeah. with you ever again. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, that hurts me. It hurts me a lot. And especially because it came off it because of what happened at the weekend. Yep. It it, it hurts. It hurts a lot. I'm not going to deny it. I'm not. It's, I'm butthurt right now. But it's like they, they're pretty consistent, and, and it's like, look, they're not going to win games at this pace. You know, but they they can be in a lot of games and mm-hmm. get enough draws and stuff. Yeah. To 
to contend. Let me let me just say about Everton really quickly. Hamez loves diving a lot, <laughs> a lot. He dove a lot in that game against Liverpool. Yeah. Van Dyke had a a clean shoulder to shoulder, and yeah. Hamez act like someone killed him. He got up two seconds later, like nothing had happened. Well, he's not very good at selling it, or he just needs to stop hanging out with Neymar because that's apparently what he's doing. I mean, hey, wow. Salah probably did a bit of the same. Mane probably did a bit of the same, but. Wow. Yeah. Happens from Hamas too. He's he's no yeah. he's no Wonder Boy. He's no Wonder Wonder. He's no Superman. He's just a good player with a good left foot. You put him on his right foot, he's not as effective. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, that's a- Everton do look good so far this year, and it, it hurts me to say that on a level that I can't actually quantify because it's yeah. they have a small club mentality and I'm actually saving my hot take for for the end, but anyways. Okay. What? Yeah. That's uh Yeah, that that uh I hit sit, man. <laughs> You're right. Yeah, a big a big game at the weekend though, Man United Chelsea. Are you looking forward to the game? Uh, I'm looking forward to the game, but uh I don't really know what to expect at all <laughs> in the game. And yeah. I think Chelsea needs to start waking up pretty soon here. <laughs> so Yeah. No, I, I would agree. And I feel like this game could be either a big step forward or a massive wake up call. I don't think there's any in between where it's like, yeah, no, Chelsea were they they took care of some things. They didn't they didn't really, you know, mm. have anything in the back. I think this could this could go one of two ways. Yeah, I was I don't even think the wake up call is the proper term, but I think it's more of if Chelsea lose the game, the tone could start from, oh, the team is you know, newly put together, guys are getting back from injury, like they're just trying to you know, figure it out, get their form, adjust to each other to, well, this actually might be a poor, really poor start to the season. That I think that's the, the difference, potentially. Yeah. No. I, you'll, yeah. We'll never, we won't know until the game is played, but it's it's one of the marquee games of the weekend for sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely, bro. All right. Well, it's about that time of the show. Sure. Do you want to start off the we're hot gonna takes? De- we're going to deliver some hot takes. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, do you want to start it off? Yeah, I'll start it off. Okay. Let's go one for one if you want. All right, go ahead. All right, here's my hot take. All right. The Atlanta Braves will miss the playoffs next year. Wow. That's a really hot take. Yep. Actually. How many years in a row have they won the division? Three. That's it? Yep. Just three. Really? Mm-hmm. Wait, 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 wait. There is a stretch from... Four years ago, who won the division? Four years ago? Mets? It? Four years ago was 2016. No. Was the Nationals, I think. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, I yeah. think it was the Nationals. Right. Yes, it was the Nationals because I think they got dunked on by the... No. Wait. I think it was the Nationals, yeah. Yeah, the that Nationals, right. you're right. I think that's when they lost to the Cubs. Yeah, well, that's the Cubs, remember? In the, in the first NLCS? Round. No. Uh, no, the uh, Cubs beat the, the they beat the Giants in the first round that year. Oh, I thought it was the Nationals. Oh, okay. Hmm. Nationals be they lost to Well, let's see. 2016. Wait, who did the Cubs play? They lost to the Dodgers. In 2016. Okay. Yeah, and then the Dod or yeah. yeah, you're right. And then and then the Cubs beat the Dodgers. Or wait. 
No, no, the Dodgers beat the Nationals. I'm looking it up right now. Yeah, and then the NLDS, and then the Cubs beat the Dodgers. Oh, you're right. Yeah, yeah, that's okay. that's that's what I was getting at. Yeah. Um, wow, yeah, so not... the Nationals. Wow. 2015 okay. was the Mets. 2014 was the Nationals. 2013 was the Braves. 2012 was don't remember. Mets. Maybe. Mets. Was mm-hmm. it the Mets? Might have been. I don't know, but yeah, the Braves are missing the playoffs next year. They're gonna get off. Why? To a, I mean, what? that's a really actually hot to. What do you think? Wait, what? Tell me what the the whole three one lead is gonna it's gonna be burned in their heads for a while and they're not gonna be able to get wow. over it. I think Acuna is gonna struggle next year. Freeman's gonna struggle next year. He's, he's certainly gonna come back down to earth. Um, he's gonna struggle. Riley, I think takes a step forward, but ultimately not a great season. They're not gonna have Marcelo Zuna. Ozuna's gonna go somewhere and get paid, and the Braves aren't gonna want to pay him. It's, it's just the way the Braves are. They don't. Same thing happened with Josh mm-hmm. Donaldson. They'll probably go. Get some free, some big hitter on a on a one year contract. He'll do really well, and then we'll be able to keep him again. It's just the Atlanta way. Wow. Uh, yeah. Okay. And they just won't miss it because they don't. They won't. You know. And you know. Yes, Mike Soroka will hopefully be healthy. Yes, we'll have Max Freed, and then we'll have uh, Ian Anderson and Kyle Wright, and then you know a solid bullpen outside of you know Luke Jackson, who I don't think is, I don't think should make the club, but he probably will make the club Luke regardless. Jackson. Yeah. Braves aren't making the playoffs next year. That's all. I mean, I mean, it depends on what they do in the offseason. I mean, they've only been out of the playoffs yeah. for like three days. So, I mean, I would say also, um, they've got, uh, like, I think, um, Green's a free agent. Mm-hmm. Um, Melance is a free agent. Green's a free Melanson. agent. I don't know about Chris uh, Martin. Chris Martin, is he a free agent or? I don't, I don't think so. He may have one more year left. Okay. I mean, I don't know. It's just like they're, you know, they have, like, yeah, I, I, I understand that. But still, they have a very complete team. I mean, even with those, like, look, their offense this year was, like, historically great. And they had a very solid bullpen. So all their, and, you know, you figure with their starters growing, you know, they figure they have enough, even if they lose a player or two. But I can, I can see where you're coming from. Yeah. I also want to make this abundantly clear to everyone listening to this podcast. And just abundantly clear in general. Mm. And this comes from someone who wants the very best for my hometown Atlanta Braves. But mm-hmm. here it is. I never want to see Nick Markakis put on an Atlanta Braves jersey ever again. Ever. He's a disgrace. He has struck out on pitches <laughs> down the middle more than anyone else on the Braves. Because, oh, he was sitting off speed or he was looking for something else. I'm sorry. If it's two strikes and it's close... Swing the bat, please. Just, just, I don't care if it's a half swing. Just swing the bat. Just make it look like you actually care. Get out of my club. Seriously. Mm. I don't care if he had a triple that led to a run in one of the games. Sure. One hit. He had six career postseason hits. Career. No, sorry. Four career postseason hits as a member of the Braves before this year. Four. Wow. In three years. He's paid $11 million a year to have four hits in the playoffs. Four. Garbage. Yeah, he get really out of my club. Struggled. I'm sorry. He really struggled. I'm not he sorry. He also actually. struggled in situational hitting. Yeah. at times in the postseason. He's he's an overrated player. I'm sorry. He has a lot of hits. He's been in the league a long time, but clutch time he just chokes. And I don't want to like honestly. I wish him the best. If he wants to go win a World Series somewhere else, great, cool, whatever. Just don't do it with the Braves. Or if you're going to do it, lead that club to a World Series. Drag them to a World Series. Don't just be another platoon player and occupy space and certainly don't occupy that number 
Wow. I'm still mad about that number. That was 10 yeah, years he, ago. Yeah, um, he... And you just think with the, as he is one of the older players on the team, right? You'd think uh, yeah. he'd be better. But. Yeah, I think he was back on a one-year deal anyway, so good. I hope they don't re-sign him. I hope he yeah. gets to go either retire or go chase a uh, title with another team. Hey, maybe the Dodgers want to take him up. May, may want to bring I don't him to the know, man. Is, next year. He's a hometown guy. He wants to be there, I'm sure. Yeah, I, I know exactly where he went to high school. I dr- I drive by his high school yeah, like okay. when I was in it, when I lived in Atlanta I used to drive by his high school every day to play golf not every day every really? day that I play golf yeah Woodstock High School wow that's so cool man mm-hmm. that's um wish you didn't play wow. for the Braves though okay um, anyway sorry that's that's yeah, all my all right. one take Braves are making the playoffs next year what's your all take right. all right so yeah here's my first take um this is I don't know you can tell me which of these takes is hotter. I'm not sure. I think we're going to, I think and this, you, this might make you smile, bro. Even though I talk about Everton. Um, it's not about Everton. Trust me. Um, I think we're going to go another decade without a Yankees world series title. Mm, mm, that's, mm, that's see, my, see, I want I want you to be right really bad, but deep down, I don't think you will. Okay. Let me make the case. Okay. Let me make the case. What's your case? The Yankees, look, I think that Brian Cashman, you know, has at times an unfair reputation. He's, and to be fair, in the last like 10 years, he's done a much better job of not just going all in on, you know, free agents and stuff. But overall, while the Yankees are an incredible team, they just aren't really well put together for the resources they have in the ways that they should be. Let me tell you. First of all, I looked this up earlier today. The Yankees have the 22nd best farm system. So while they've improved in player development, right, it's not like they're oozing with young players like teams like the Dodgers and Tampa Bay. Was, those teams have the one and three farm systems, I think. Um, and then the second thing is, the Yankees just don't seem to fill out the rotation in the right ways. There's two ways, I think, that, that are proven formulas that you can win in the postseason. Number one is a very complete team or a lockdown pitching staff. And the Yankees don't have either. First, first of all, okay, they have uh, all... They don't have hitters that can hit from the right and the left side. The Dodgers can mix and match like everyone. But the Yankees have a great offense, but I think that's part of the reason why they, they struggle in the playoffs. They they don't have guys who can mix and match depending on where they're from, coming from. And then, you know, it they they don't have depth at the starting pitching position. I said it before. It cost them in the series. They have two good starting pitching. And then I'll just say this too. Um, their player development, they, they have, obviously they can shout huge contracts. I mean, like, you know, Garrett Cole and Stanton and Tanaka make ridiculous amounts of money, but they, they haven't proven to me that they can find like diamonds in the rough or just, um, depth players, um, that can really fill out a complete team. 
And if there's a team that's not complete, I just don't think that they'll do it. Yeah, no, that's a fair that's take. My I, that's my case. That's a fair take, and I actually want to add some fuel to that take because okay. the one player that I think they really should have resigned in the offseason was Dylan okay. Batances. Yeah. Well, Dylan Batances has some well. of the most pure stuff well. I've ever seen come out of a Yankee reliever. Sure. And yeah. yes, he struggled in his last season in New York, but he really did. It was bad. Yeah, he was still a solid, solid reliever, all things considered. Yeah. And when you got ninety-eight that moves like that and a slider that moves like that coming from a guy who's six-eight, it plays. Yeah. If you if you command it, it plays. Yeah. I mean, yes, he he had a rough little stretch at the end, but he was one of the best relievers in baseball a couple seasons ago. He was. I mean, he you was, give him the oh, ball in the eighth man. inning, good luck. Like two, three years ago, he was like he was lights out. And I think they they really should have they should have given him an incentive laden one year deal. Say, mm-hmm. hey, we want you to come back for a year. We want you to prove that you can do it in New York, and you can really keep it cons- and you know this side of New York and keep it really consistent. And you know, for whatever reason, talks broke down, or there's a lack of interest on either side. But I think that was that was one of the guys who got away. Just a that type of player, the type you can give the ball to, and it's good luck to the other team, like a Josh yep. Hader type, True. or even a, like a Devin Williams too, who kind of kind of sucks we didn't see him in the postseason because he would have been fun to watch. Well, I think that I think that you know, no, I, I agree with you. He's a he was a really good player. He has good stuff, and um, and they could use a guy like that. And I mean, I guess like. To be fair, they do have some guys you'd think like I think coming into the year you would have thought like Adovino, for example, would have been, you know, really good and you know, um, you know, Britain, uh, you know, Chapman. Uh, and they have other guys, but right, the, the other good guys they have are stars, you know. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But even then, even then, right? Like let's look at the if you go to the starters, for example, mm-hmm. you know now don't get me wrong. When they're on, they have good starters, but Cole is their only sure starter. Mm-hmm. I mean, Severino, when he's healthy, is a good. I don't think he's a, by any means a great starter. He hasn't become elite yet. No, he has not. Um, Paxton is a shell of himself. Mm-hmm. Tanaka has good moments. He typically pitches well in the postseason, but he's not elite either. Uh, I don't know what you want to say about Jay Happ. He's he's kind of a waste of. Isn't he like thirty seven? Uh, he's up there in age. I think five or thirty six. He's old. Yeah. Um, you know, and they have some, you know a few other guys, but I. It's just like they 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 have some gaps on their roster that I just think could really prevent them. And then when you combine that with the fact that there's just all these other teams that I think can really be sustainable that'll give them a run for their money you know it could be it could be tough yeah no i'll give you that but but pretty soon i'm telling you man it's so crazy because pretty soon man it'll start to be like wow it's been that long since the yankees won Mm -hmm. and it's look I, i i very much look at it like you know too another factor i'll just say is like you know look you never know what's gonna happen like it's we the Yankees are the best example of you think that this core is really good. They'll be back next year. You just never know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You never know. Exactly. Exactly. No, I, I want you to be right really bad. I just mm-hmm. have a sneaking suspicion based on the way things ended this year that 
Brian Cashman is going to do some serious wheeling and dealing this offseason. Mm. And he's going to pull off some moves that are cost-effective, but also talent-wise going to be very influential and make it so that next year they're going to be they're going to be one of the best teams in baseball again. And they're maybe going to have this stuff to go to the distance. I mean, we're not even done with this season. We're already talking about next season and the next 10 years. But, you know, that's the nature of these podcasts. Also, so. what's the deal with um, how many years does LeMayu? Is he a free agent? Or is he He's a free one? agent, yeah. There you go. That's another guy. I mean. Yeah, he yeah. only signed a two-year. They got him for a steal. I think they got they got two years, $24 million. It was a steal. Wow. Yeah, I mean. So, I mean, dude, if they pay him. I mean, that's yeah. like they're gonna have a really top-heavy roster. Yeah, so. the the whole Colorado thing kind of influenced a lot of teams, I think. But the Yankees were like, "Yeah, we'll take them." Yeah, well, yeah, they they and they should. Yeah. But you know, I <laughs> want you to be right, though. I I gotta say, I I don't care how, how much that make you miss that. I didn't make my day. That just make it, my. It'd be really, it'd be really nice. It'd also be really nice if the Astros never won another World Series. Period. Never. Yeah. 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 Anyways, all right. What else you got for me? Okay, well, do you do you want to go or is that do is that all? Yeah, you got? no, I can go. I can go. I can give you. I can give you my yep. my burning go hot ahead. take. Go ahead. So, my burning hot take, and this obviously is going to sound like sour grapes, like... but I don't care. I don't care in the slightest. Everton Football Club are to this day still scared of Liverpool. Scared shitless of Liverpool to this day because Everton, when they play in a Merseyside derby, refuse to play football. They just don't play. They don't play the game at all. They sit behind the ball. They let Liverpool have it. They let Liverpool pass it around because they know Liverpool are just a better team. Top to bottom. Every aspect of the team is better. Every single aspect is better. And the only reason they can get a result, not even a win, just a result, more than one point, more than zero points, is by injuring Liverpool players and going in with, quote-unquote, strong challenges. Translation, they play dirty. And they don't care about playing football. They don't care about possession. They don't care about being a better team than Liverpool. Everton live... If they win the league this year, this will come back to haunt me, but I really don't care. They live in the shadow of Liverpool, and they always will. They are a small club with a small club mentality, and they belong in the championship. Okay, that part's a little far, but still. They, they're scared of Liverpool, period. Wow. That's, um, they could, man. I mean, they've lost so many games against them. <laughs> it's like, I... That could make that could that make sense, um, and sure they're fired up for the derbies, so maybe they do play dirty. That, that's that could definitely be true. They don't play football though. That's the thing. Yeah, they don't play football. Yeah. They they rely on the counter attack and solely on the counter attack. They don't try there's to boss the game at all. That. There's nothing wrong with that. No, but they don't. There's no attempt to assert their dominance, even at home. <laughs> You remember the game in July, for, or the first game yeah. of Project Restart that was in an June? Awful game. Oh, it was, that was one awful. of the worst games because Everton wouldn't come out of their sec- they wouldn't come out of their own half. Wow! A game is played between two teams, not just one team trying to get the other one to move. 
That's the reason, because they put 12 players in front of the goal. All 11 players plus the referee. They're just like, you're going to be in you're gonna be in this part of the goal. Everyone else is this part of the goal. I hate that club so much. Almost yeah. more than the Manchester clubs, but not quite. Well, That's... Pretty much on the same level. But it, it's just, it's baffling as a, how a club like Everton with that kind of financial resources and a manager like that just refuses to actually play football against your crosstown rivals. It's it's baffling and it's a small club mentality. I'm sorry, small club mentality. Yeah, I mean, damn. I mean, yeah, that's um, I I I, I can't I can't disagree with that honestly. That's 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 uh, <laughs> that's really that's really interesting. That's my take, and I'm sticking to it. Wow. Okay. Um. Okay. All right. What do you got for me? All right. Let me see. I have two more. I'm going to think which one I want to say first. Hmm. Okay. All right. So uh, here's my take. Um, and this is sad. I, I wouldn't even say that this is a a, a, a hot take per se. All right, what do you got? Um, so I think that... Uh, so I have to say. I think that the Browns... <laughs> this is about the Browns. Um, the Browns have, have screwed it up. They screwed it up in the past. This is their fault. I think, that, And I think that Baker Mayfield's time in Cleveland is done. It will be done, but he's going to be a Pro Bowl quarterback for another team. Wow. I, I think that they're not going to extend him. He's going to play out his contract. And I think he's still a very good quarterback. Well, he's not playing like it, but I think he's still a very good quarterback. And I think he will go on to be a Pro Bowl quarterback somewhere else, but not in Cleveland. I just think that the way that Cleveland, to me, look, and I, this is the thing I hate about the NFL, and it's so obvious to me, I, and I, I don't understand. It's like, it can happen, but rookie quarterbacks that play right away are more, much more likely to fail than not. And I just think that, you know, with the depleted team that Cleveland first had there with holes, with the changes in coaching staff, and with the fact that he could have gained from learning, and, and now his confidence is shot. You know, he's struggling to get those progressions, and he just seems, it really just seems like his confidence is shot. He's not the fiery baker that we saw in year one. I think it's the Browns' fault, and we're going to be stuck in two years with whether it's the right move or not. It's going to be a situation where he needs a change of scenery, and we're going to be back to the drawing board again. Wow. That's that's a hot take, my guy. That is a really hot take. You think so? Wow. Yeah, I think so. I don't think... Okay, Because honestly, I feel like what Cleveland needs at quarterback is someone who has a mix of personality and mm. swagger and oh, yeah. actual talent. And I feel like Baker Mayfield fits that. He fits that. Yes, it was oh, one game, but he was also injured. I mean, he's, he's been he's, good so far oh, this season. Oh, no, but... but well, no, he hasn't. He has not. He's been he's been good, not great. I mean, but he's uh, been he's been enough 
He's okay. been enough for the team to win. You don't need a quarterback. Like you don't need a greatest okay. of all time quarterback to win. No, you don't. Okay. Nick let, Foles let has a shoot. Super Bowl ring. Okay, Eli okay. Manning has two Super right. Bowl rings. Well, okay, but but okay. Let me just say this. And like I said, look, I think he's a very good player, and it's not his fault. But you know, I, I saw the clip of uh, Dan Orlovsky, the ESPN commentator. I don't know if you saw it, but where he's talking about how Baker Mayfield, he watches them on tape and he can't do more than a first progression. And basically what's happening is that, you know, they're just kind of hiding him. He's, he's basically, and like I said, it's the organization's fault. It's not his fault, but he's lacking confidence. He's a shell of himself, and he's becoming a game manager. He's not throwing very much. He's not throwing for very many yards. And they're not asking him to really make that many throws down the field. And so he's played fine in the role they've asked him to, but they're kind of hiding him. And that's like the – and so, yes, can the Browns make the playoffs? Sure. But I just think that the expectations are just – and the, you know, it might just crush him, man. And I, I – it's not his fault. I just think it's going to be one of those things potentially, and I hope I'm wrong, where – He's a good player. He just might need a change of scenery in a better organization because Cleveland, the B- Cleveland Browns, there look there are a couple hockey teams I think you could say, but I mean they are maybe the worst organization in sports. It's just even though they have better, they you know they they have a new GM now and and uh, you know it seems like a good coach. They just keep making some of the same mistakes, you know. So it's 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 tough. And heck, I wouldn't be surprised if you know Odell Beckham goes somewhere else too. So, you know. Okay, I, I see what you're getting at. I do, and I I, I want to give you credit for this take because it's a, it's a pretty bold one. But I, I do right. just want to offer this because you brought up an interesting point. Okay. Um, franchise with hmm, let me think a franchise in the NFL with a very Orchard fan base, costly decision making, repeated cycle of failure. <laughs> why does that sound familiar? I wonder why. <laughs> why does that sound like it's the Atlanta Falcons who have a legacy of not just losing, but losing in the most hilarious of ways? And yes. I will put Atlanta over Cleveland. I'm sorry to do this, but I will insert Atlanta over Cleveland because because Cleveland has this wonderful thing that you can have a little piece of. It's not you, but you can have a little piece of it. It's called history. The Falcons' wow. history involves mediocrity and choking. They do. It does. Yes. So I mean, I, okay, I wouldn't say it's above Cleveland, but I feel like it's in that it's in that arena, especially this year as the Browns have lost more games than the Falcons have won. Falcons have won one game sure. against a team that has also won one game. And they are the reason the Dallas Cowboys have more than one win. <laughs> and they are the reason the Chicago Bears are 5-1. and one. And they are the reason that Brady has six Super Bowl rings. Wow. Yeah. I mean, you know... Th- I guess I just think it's just the Falcons have made some dumb decisions. 
regarding you know player signings and ownership and you know coaching but uh plays on the field but yeah, you know, they, yeah. They, they, every facet they, of they the organization had, they, but they, look they've <laughs> they've had some good teams you know they've, right. they've had some good teams yeah i mean that's true i'll give you that it's like you know they've made the playoffs and they've been to super bowl they've done well but yeah you know well, when when you do what the falcons do when you go to a super bowl at what point do you lose interest? I'm getting dangerously close to that point where I'm just like, nah, I don't care. You win well, a Super Bowl, cool. I mean, I, I say that now, but the moment Atlanta wins a championship, just one championship in one of the big three, uh, that party is going to be insane. And you already know Atlanta throws down. The city of Atlanta knows how to get down. Yes, yes, they do. Yes, they absolutely do. All right, Willie. Well, we've been recording this podcast for a little over right. two hours, so I want to get to the right. final take of the night. Yeah, I got the final take. What do you um, got for us? Yeah, not a few. I'm going to save my basketball take for another show. Yeah, we'll talk basketball when the NBA yeah. heats all right, up again. So, all right, so this is an extremely hot take, bro. All right, what do you got? Okay. So, um, in six years... Six years. Okay, you can. Twenty twenty six. We can pull up this clip later. All right, I'll bookmark uh, this to pull up in twenty twenty six. Yeah, you should. You should. Um, I think the USA is going to lose in the World Cup final. I think, but I think the US is going to make it all the way to the World Cup final. In twenty, you could say this is me wait, just being twenty. Hot what would it be? Twenty twenty six. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Or is it twenty eight? No, the it's twenty six. It's twenty six. The US yeah. is the partial host. I think they're yeah. going to go on a run, a magical run, all the way to the finals. It's kind of like. Brazil, but to the final and lose. I think they're gonna <laughs> oh take it all. Oh my god, that is that is the hottest take I think you've ever had on the show. You think so? I think that would have been that might be hotter than if you were to say and, the Browns win the Super Bowl and, next year. And okay, double or nothing. Double oh or my nothing. god, folks, double he's or... doubling down on his take. <laughs> okay, I mean there are a lot of names being linked to. Um. The U.S. jobs. The most logical choice is Roberto Martinez. Uh-huh. Um, there's a really strong chance I think he'll be mm-hmm. the manager of the Federal World Cup. Mm-hmm. But I think, all right, I'm just going to say it. Even if there's not a great chance, I there is some chance. The manager will be, drum roll please. Who's the manager? Jose Mourinho. Jose Mourinho. He's been linked with the team in the past. Dead serious. That at that point, <laughs> that point in six years, like maybe he'll be done. He he wants to, he maybe he'll want to change. He's certainly not going to be at Tottenham. The U.S. is going to be in all seriousness. Look, is there is it maybe not based on rationality that he would be the manager even though he's been linked? Yes, but that's going to be a very attractive job. Seriously, like they they can get a top manager that wants to take a break from the club. They will get a top manager. They will have a manager that is way better than Greg Bertalter. And it will be an established international manager because the host country of a World Cup team that's reasonably good is a very attractive job. Roberto Martinez, I would put my money on. But as a wild card, a really big name like that, I could see. So let me get this straight. By extension of saying the U.S. is going to lose in a World Cup final, you are saying that the United States Soccer Federation 
is competent enough to appoint a manager for the United States men's national team. Yes. Who knows how to manage a game of football at the international level. Wow. Because we're talking about the same United States Soccer Federation that went from an established manager in Europe and Jurgen Klinsmann, yep. albeit gave him maybe a little too much power with not as much talent at his disposal, mm-hmm. to former coach and MLS stalwart Bruce Arena, who sure. could not get the team to qualify mm-hmm. against Trinidad mm-hmm. and Tobago. No disrespect to Trinidad. They played well. We did not. Mm-hmm. And from Gre- Bruce Arena has gone to an even less experienced and talented coach in Greg Berhalter. You think that yep. same federation is going to have the wherewithal to go out and get a top-tier elite European manager? Yeah. yeah. And look, this is what I'll say. While those, right. other two things, while those other two things I said are, are extreme hot takes, it is actually not a hot take at all to think that they'll have a big-time manager. Um, because, first of all, you know... If the U.S. is as good as they could potentially be, where, you know, on paper, that team in six years could be, you know, one of the top ten teams in the world. When you combine the fact that they're hosting a World Cup final, you know, and you figure they'd be favored to get the at least to the round of 16, maybe the round of eight. You know, it's, I think it's, it's likely that they will have a big-time manager. I absolutely think even if it's on a temporary two to three year basis where he, the manager takes the job either for world cup qualifying or, or even just for the world cup for a year, I, I think it's a chance. I mean, seriously. Well, all I got to say, Willie is in the year 2026, you and I will both be in our thirties. Yeah, we will. And shit, that's weird. Honestly, you know, Donald Trump's president, anything can happen, really, truly. Yeah. Don't rule anything out completely. Yep. But um, you and I are both pretty well aware of the stigma against MLS and the United States when it comes to world football. Mm. So I I got to say there's a part of me, like, I, I want you to be right for sure because, well, I don't want you to be right about losing the World Cup, but rather see the U.S. win a World Cup. But, well, okay, first let's qualify for one. Let's get that out of the way first qualify first you know i think the stigma against the mls is going to play against the federation no matter who they go after (laughs) because no matter what yes the core right now is solid christian pulisic weston mckinney josh Sargent, tyler adams Hmm. serginio dest yes the the young core is good zach stefan they have a good young core Gio Reynas. Gio Reyna, yeah, exactly. Like the core is good, it's young, and it's talented, and it's hungry. But at what point is the Federation going to start saturating the team with products from the MLS who they think are maybe kind of good and end up dragging the rest of the team down? It's. I think that's that's the one thing that's always going to play against the United States. The ML. They can't. The rest of the world can't take MLS seriously, and that's always going to have an association with the United States men's national team. And I want you to be right. I really do. But there's a part of me right now that can't get over this whole, we, the best United States, United States national, 
United States men's national team. I can't speak English today. We've been doing this for almost two and a half hours. <laughs> the best product they can put on the field is nothing more than an MLS all-star team. Well, let me just say this. I'm just going to say this right now. I, I follow this extremely closely, and I was even thinking about I mean, some people do it, but just doing every once in a while. We can do a podcast on it, like an Americans Abroad report. But here's what I'll say. The U.S. has in their talent pool traditionally certain positions where they just really struggle. For example, um, outside back has been one, even though they've had some good ones in the last five, ten years, they haven't had much depth there. Um, But to be honest with you, really looking at it closely, man, the one thing they they really need is um, some center backs. But um, I'll just say this. If Chris Richards materializes and um, John Brooks will still be this, there, you know, Chris Richards, then they'll have a really solid team, a, a really solid starting XI at least. So. Yeah. I mean, that you could very well be right. And we'll be partying in 2026. And one of us will be, one of us will drunkenly pull up this, uh, this clip from, uh, from late 2020 saying, really dude, should. I called it. But I did call it. I'd like you to be right. But we'll see. Only time will tell. Would you like more the fact the U.S. went going to second place or Jose Mourinho being the manager? What's more likely? Or no, what would be more enjoyable? More enjoyable. I think a Jose oh, Mourinho. Mourinho, for sure. I started watching the Tottenham yeah. documentary just for Mourinho. Oh, yeah. Because he's hilarious. Oh, yeah. He he's just, on the exterior for someone who's never had him as a manager for your club, he's kind of an asshole, but he's funny. Sure. Did, he's you funny asshole. About, did you see his comments about uh, the Arsene Wenger book where he didn't include him? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was funny. Jabbed at Wenger, Wenger jabbed back. It's just, ah. Uh, what a time. What a what a great time that was in the Premier League is Wenger, Fergie, and Jose. Yeah. I mean, I wish I was a fan at that time, like a bigger Dude, fan. Dude, that was, than I was the now. golden years, I would say. Yeah. yeah. Crazy. Anyways, we had some hot takes on the show tonight, man. I, I don't know how we topped this. I mean, we, we this is making up for two weeks worth of podcasts. We honestly may have to split this up into two parts to be more digestible. I think I'll just <laughs> release it all as as one podcast for almost two and a half hours. So listen at your own peril, folks. But I I guarantee you. Yeah. There's some good takes in here. Yeah. And if you if you haven't liked the takes, get in touch with us and let me know. Well, specifically me. All the information is at the top of your screen and in the description of this video. If you were just listening to this as a podcast, any uh, any last thoughts before we get out of here? I think I think my take takeometer is pretty mm-hmm. spent. I don't have any <laughs> uh, more takes tonight. Okay. Last thing I'll I'll just say real quick is that what do you got? Um. If Walker Buehler pitches really well in Game Three, he's joining a pretty special club of like clutch postseason pitching. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. No, he he would drew comparisons to the to, to Justin Verlander for his mechanics, but I think just the competitive edge. He's oh, right yeah. there too. He's, oh, he's he's a stud already. He's been in the league oh, what yeah. two and a half, three years. Yeah, he's a stud. He's, he's special, man. Teammates he's with really... Dansby Swanson back at Vanderbilt, and he's yeah, a stud. Really yeah funny funny well that'll do it for this episode of hot takes only thank you all for listening we'll see you hopefully next week and hopefully we won't have a two-week hiatus so you don't get shelled with another two and a half hour long episode two weeks from now excuse me but for my good friend willie this has been 
Hot takes only. I'm Owen. We'll see you next time.